sound check. Uh, could you mouth the blue ball for a second and tell me what you had for breakfast? Today for breakfast, I had egg whites, onions, chicken, and one slice of bacon. How much weight have you gained in the last 12 months? 40 pounds. Optimal minimal. At this altitude, I can run flat out for a half mile before my hands start shaking. Can I ask you a personal question? Now it is seeing an appropriate time. I'm a cybernetic organism, living tissue over metal endoskeleton. This episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens. I get asked all the time what I would take if I could only take one supplement. The answer is invariably Athletic Greens. I view it as all-in-one nutritional insurance. I recommended it, in fact, in the four-hour body. This is more than 10 years ago, and I did not get paid to do so. With approximately 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients, you'd be very hard-pressed to find a more nutrient-dense and comprehensive formula on the market. It has multivitamins, multimineral greens complex, probiotics and prebiotics for gut health, an immunity formula, digestive enzymes, adaptogens, and much more. I usually take it once or twice a day just to make sure I've covered my bases if I miss anything I'm not aware of. Of course, I focus on nutrient-dense meals to begin with. That's the basis. But Athletic Greens makes it easy to get a lot of nutrition when whole foods aren't readily available. From travel packets, I always have them in my bag when I'm zipping around. Right now, Athletic Greens is giving my audience a special offer on top of their all-in-one formula, which is a free vitamin D supplement and five free travel packs with your first subscription purchase. Many of us are deficient in vitamin D. I found that true for myself, which is usually produced in our bodies from sun exposure. So adding a vitamin D supplement to your daily routine is a great option for additional immune support. Support your immunity, gut health, and energy by visiting athleticgreens.com TFS. You'll receive up to a year's supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your subscription. Again, that's athleticgreens.com TFS, as in Tim Ferriss show. athleticgreens.com TFS. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Why, hello, squirrels, chipmunks, and muskrats. Why muskrats? Don't be racist. We welcome everybody here because this is the Tim Ferriss Show, where my job is to attempt to deconstruct world-class performers and teachers, whether they are investors, chess prodigies, actors, musicians, or entrepreneurs in this particular case. This episode features Noah Kagan. Noah Kagan is a friend of mine I've known for many years. He was number 30 at Facebook, number four at Mint.com, which was sold for God knows how much money. I think $100 plus million, and is the chief sumo, i.e. co-founder of sumome.com, which offers free tools to help grow web traffic, among other things. Also a top-rated taco connoisseur. I'm not sure we're going to get into that, but he has, most important, created four products that have made more than seven figures. And that is what we're going to delve into in this particular episode. Lots of tactics, tools, routines, and so on that Noah has used himself and has helped other people to use. And Noah was also my co co-teacher in the Tim Ferriss Experiment episode, Build a Business, where we led Cindy, a novice entrepreneur, 
into scaling and launching her business in one week. And there are a lot of the behind the scenes goodies where if you go to iTunes.com forward slash Tim Ferriss, that is two R's and two S's. Uh, iTunes.com forward slash Tim Ferriss. I think there's an hour of bonus footage with some really nitty gritty call script sales and marketing stuff that I think you will enjoy. But this episode by itself, super strong, standalone, lots of takeaways, lots of resources. And if you don't want to write it all down, you can get the show notes at fourhourworkweek.com forward slash podcast. That's four hour, F O U R H O U R, fourhourworkweek.com forward slash podcast. Without further ado, here is Monsieur Noah Kagan. Enjoy. Noah, my man, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Tim. I have been looking forward to this for quite a while because every time we talk and we've known each other for years, I come away with notes upon notes of things that I want to test or try. So I'm hoping and expecting sternly like an angry father. Yeah, that's that, a lot of pressure. <laughs> this episode will have the same. Uh, but for people who don't have uh, too much context, uh, you were number 30 at Facebook uh, you were number four employee at Mint, which sold to Intuit for a hundred plus million dollars, and you've created multiple products now that have earned seven figures. Uh, what else should people know, perhaps as background, or what would you like to tell them about as context? I thought that was pretty good, man. Uh, you know, I was like, wow, whoever that guy is, he sounds pretty good. Hire that man, speechwriter. Yeah. I mean, you know, the the only other thing is, is like I came out like a lot of people who are listening. You know, I came out of Berkeley or whatever college you came out to, and I worked at a corporate job at Intel, sitting in a cubicle. Um, and then, you know, I didn't really use networking or any of that kind of stuff to kind of eventually go to these kind of cool companies uh, and be able to create my own businesses that, you know, give me the freedom to do a lot of things I want to do. And you are in Austin, Texas. Is that right? Yes, sir. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Bay area, about a mile and a half from the Apple headquarters. So near Cupertino somewhere. Uh, yeah, I grew up in Cupertino. The question of why there has been a mass exodus, it would seem from cities like New York city and San Francisco to Austin is one I've never really heard uh, you answer. So maybe I can just ask you, why is Austin becoming such a hotbed and why did you choose to move to Austin? Yeah, I mean, I actually interned like in 2000, about 10 years ago. And I came out here and uh, I never heard of the place. I didn't even know. I mean, in Texas, now it's, you know, because of the internet, people know that there's uh, there's places inside of Texas. They have like photos. Uh, but I never knew what Austin was about. And I came here and I had like sex with this person and then I got drunk and it was like, like, what's that book, Lord of the Flies, where it's like the young kids take over an island? Yes. It's basically like that, but we have a city. <laughs> and, um, so I came here and I was like, how come no one else is here? You know, you're paying half as much as the Bay Area for housing. Uh, we actually see grass, a lot of grass around us. Um, you got a lot of tacos, which is what I'm known for. And it's like the, one of the capitals of tacos in the nation. And it's kind of like, um, you know, it's like what the Bay Area was probably like 10 years before now. It's just like you're packed and you're paying insane prices. Uh, and I think also fundamentally, there's a few key things for me, but fundamentally, I just, I didn't want to also just be around startups talking about their funding uh, all day long. And right. so Austin provided a lifestyle for me where it was more affordable, really attractive women, uh, really good outside life. Like I, if I, when I leave the office, I have a good lifestyle. Uh, it just really fit that, fit that balance. And that's why I think it's, you know, it's one of the fastest growing cities in the nation right now. Yeah, it's it's one of my favorite cities. I almost moved there after college, actually. It was between 
uh, Austin and SF, and I didn't make it to the final round of interviews for Trilogy Software, so that made oh, the wow. decision for me. So I was came very close. I could have forked another way and ended up in Austin. Did you uh, uh, did you get fl- like flown out in like first class in the limo experience with Trilogy? I don't think I made it that far. I think they, oh, wow. I think they recognized. <laughs> a, a terrible potential employee very quickly and decided that uh, <laughs> I would be more trouble than I was worth, which is probably accurate. Uh, <laughs> you know, I hear, you know, what's funny about that. Like I got a job offer. Well, I, I apply, I've applied for Google twice and I've been rejected twice. And it, I'm like, is Google really good or am I that bad? Um, <laughs> or is it just like I meant to kind of run my own thing? And, you know, I remember when I did my interview at Google, I couldn't remember how to do division. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> that, that makes it hard to get a job at Google, I'd imagine. <laughs> I was like, dude, I got to use my couch. I got to use my phone. Gotta, do you mind? He's like, uh, yeah. He's okay. Like, not, you're not going to get the job, dude. He's like, if you don't, if you can't do 12 times 12, Noah, I'm sorry. I have some bad news. Unless you want to interview no. for our cafeteria jobs. No, I know. Multiplication, I'm good. It was the division, man. Anyway, so Austin, I mean, coming back to it, it was just more of uh, after being in the Bay Area around engineers and all that stuff in my life, I wanted something a little more affordable, women and outside and, and just kind of like a slower lifestyle. I would say for younger people, I would actually recommend going to these busier cities because you're surrounding yourself with like hungry, hungry people. By that are younger, really, what age would you say that is? I'm saying up until 30, I would say in like a really populated city personally. And that's what I did because you're around people that are hustling and it's really inspiring and it's motivating and there's a meetup every day. And we, you know, we have that in Austin, but it's nowhere near the level of the Bay Area or New York. Yeah. And so I'd say if you're younger, I would want to be around that and get connections to that and experience that. Because, I mean, if you look at Austin, like how many big companies have come out of Austin, Tim? Like name two. Dell and blank. I'm sure there are others. You <laughs> Willie, could, okay, Willie, so Willie Nelson was actually really good. Willie Nelson Biofuels. What'd you say? I said Willie Nelson Biofuels. <laughs> Willie Nelson, dude. I mean, I was going to say like a weed joke, but like name, name two that came out of the Bay Area. I mean, you could go on for days. Right. Yeah. So, and, and, and that's the difference. Have, yeah. And you have a density in SF that you don't have in Austin. Namely, I guess what I mean by that is you have the peninsula in the Bay Area, but just within San Francisco, you have, let's just call it 700,000 people very densely packed in. So, getting to events, meeting new people, uh, bumping into the icons or billionaires you want to meet is as easy as going to a handful of different coffee shops. Whereas in Austin, in my experience, having gone to South by Southwest so many times, it's more spread out, much like Los oh, Angeles. Sure. So those types of serendipitous moments are a little harder totally. to engineer. I mean, the, the funniest one for me, I was walking in San Francisco a few years ago and I'm talking about PayPal with my friend Boris. And, and then I'm like, oh my God, literally the guy walking in front of us was Peter Thiel. And I was like, Peter, we had a question about PayPal. Do you mind if I ask you? <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, that's, the, like, that's the co-founder of PayPal for people wondering, uh, yeah. who's also like, the oh. first money into Facebook. And uh, another, actually another guest on the podcast as well. Um, the the place I'd like to go next, and I think maybe working backwards makes sense here. I'd love to experiment with just fr- front-loading this episode with a lot of tools and tactics that people can, can play with uh, as soon as they listen to this episode. What are some of the tools... Uh, whether they're apps or otherwise that you are really into at the moment or that you find extremely useful. Yeah. So the, I'll give you my like top things that, that I use and I think everyone should literally use right now and go do these things. Number one, and this is, it's not even an app or anything. It's speeding up your mouse pad. It's the number one productivity hack because you're on your computer almost all the day. Go to your settings, speed up your mouse pad, double what you're at. It takes a few minutes to get used to, but you realize like, holy crap, Everything starts at the top, so speed up your mouse pad and everything will get faster. 
Hmm. I really love that one. Because anytime I'm on a, someone's slower, I'm like, oh, you're so slow. What's wrong? Is your computer broken? So you just go to system preferences and then keyboard and then or oh. mouse, trackpad. Actually, it's one of those three, I'm sure. Yeah, trackpad. Yeah, you click on trackpad and then you go to your tracking speed and move it to the, basically almost the fastest. And then your keyboard is or your, the way that you get around a computer is significantly faster. Got it. Uh, let me just go through a list of things that I love. Um, sure. Other things on the computer, Alfred app. If you're not using Alfred app, it's free. And basically, instead of having to even move your mouse, you can just hit uh, a, a launch bar and then type in whatever app you want, and it'll automatically load it. So if I wanted to open Firefox, I can just hit uh, command spacebar, type FI, hit enter, and it's loaded instead of me having to move my mouse anywhere on the screen. Now, is that uh, – I've, I've heard of Alfred before. I use, uh, I guess it's Spotlight, uh, just built into the OS. On oh, Mac Spotlight's way slower, man. It's just a lot slower. It's way slower. And with Alfred app, you can do contacts. I can do math with it sometimes uh, when I need help. A lot of the it. times, okay? Got it. When I have to do those divisions. So Alfred app is an awesome one, especially for getting around your Mac. I don't know if they have a PC version yet, but who uses PC? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Do you ever feel bad when they have, like, when people are using Hotmail or PC, I'm like, bro, is uh, everything okay? Is there... <laughs> okay, let me go. I'm going to go more because I know I want to get meaty stuff. To yeah, people. yeah. We, we, um, I use, so let's get into apps like web and other things. For this is one is a killer one. It's a Chrome extension called Facebook Newsfeed Eradicator, hmm. and this one is amazing. And I used to work at Facebook, and I know all of us. You you have this like weird thing where you're so used to going to Facebook, you just type in FA, and your your hand you can't even control it. And so you install the Facebook Newsfeed Eradicator. You go to Facebook, and it blocks your newsfeed. And then you get there, and I do it. I probably do it ten times a day. I go to Facebook, and I get there, and there's nothing there. And I'm like, well, I guess there's nothing for me to do today. Everyone's asleep. <laughs> and I go back to my work um, because I, I think people are looking for so many different productivity hacks. I just try to focus on the big ones that are really helpful. And that one is huge because I go to Facebook, nothing's happening. Go back to my day and get the things done I want to get done. Um, I use Schedule Once. Yeah, great program. Me too. Love Schedule. Do you use that too? I do. Yeah, it was introduced to me by Andrew uh, Warner of Mixergy who's done thousands of interviews. And I, I, as soon as he booked me using that, so I was the one who was picking he, he the time. He made you do that? He made Tim Ferriss on that? I don't blame him though. If he was, yeah, no, it's he, so nice. And it's, it prevents so much confusion. Do you want to just explain with the, how For they, sure. so good. The reason I like it, uh, they have a $99 a year plan. Make sure you find that one because they have all these different options, but you can get in there and get the $99 a year one, I believe. And the nicest thing about it is it's such an annoying thing. So like if me and Tim wanted to meet, I'd be like, Tim, are you free next Tuesday at four? You'd have to come back and say, no, how about Wednesday? And then and blah, 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 blah. With Schedule 1, it connects automatically to your calendar. When you send it to someone, you could set your preferences. So, like, I have very specific preferences. Like, I don't do meetings on Thursday. I don't do meetings before 10 a.m. Uh, I don't do meetings during lunchtime. I don't do meetings after 5. And, and I only do meetings for 15 minutes because I really, if it's longer than that, like, we need to figure out why it's going so long. And then, basically, I send that to you and I say, hey, Tim, let's talk for that kind of period uh, and then it makes it really easy for you to just compare that to your schedule, choose the time, it auto goes into my calendar, and we're done. Yeah. And and one of the other benefits uh, that I noticed, number one, the first thing someone will see when they click the link to grab a time is it'll say set your time zone. And totally. That, and that avoids all of the confusion like, oh, sorry, I thought it was 4 p.m. CST and not PST, and then you have to book it again. It avoids all of that. It sends reminders to people. Uh, I've been using it, for instance, if I'm doing – let's just say recording, and I don't typically do this, but if, I'm, if, if I were recording five podcasts in a day or I had some type of batching like that, I would block out an entire day in, say, one-hour increments or two-hour increments and then have everybody just pick the time that is remaining and available because it also happens if you're emailing separate people, 
competing for a certain day, let's just say, you'll you'll book one person, then the other person will want the same time, and it's just a huge headache. So this thing saves just dozens of hours of headache. You know, totally, totally worth it. Um, uh, other go, ones? Oh, excuse me. Yeah, no, go for it. Uh, other ones, followup.cc. Uh, this is my one of my secret weapons. Uh, I basically can never forget anything. It's like I call it my Jewish mother in my inbox because my mom never forgets anything. She writes everything down. Um, and so what follow-up CC does is like if I'm emailing Tim, which, you know, we do from time to time, I'll email Tim. And in my BCC, I'll put when I want to rem- remember it. So what it does is that I'll put like one day at follow-up CC dot CC. And in a day, it'll email me back and say, hey, here's the email that you sent and the reminder about it. So you can do this for people. Be like, hey, I'll check in with you in two months or I'll follow up with, you know, even for things you want to do as a to-do. Like, let me do this in two months or let me check this email in a week. You can either forward it or BCC it and it'll automatically remind you. And I've just found that it basically helps me never forget anything because uh, sometimes you just keep it in your inbox. And I personally don't want anything in my inbox if I can. And this helps me move out anything or remember anything that I want. So I highly recommend that. Yeah, automating follow-ups. Super cool. Yeah, it's just so nice. I mean, and there's t- email tracking tools for opens and stuff like that. I just want to follow up kind of the lightest way, easiest for me to use. Um, other tools that I've been using a lot, I've been using perch.co. It's totally free uh, for everyone who's doing I know a lot of your people are starting, either starting or running their own businesses. Perch provides free um, people-to-people like uh, webcams. So we have four people that work remote. And it's kind of weird because they're like, what the hell are these guys doing in the office? And we're wondering what they're doing sometimes. And so Perch gives you the chance if you have two iPads or two phones uh, to see each other. And so it helps for communication and also just like being a part of a team versus like a random remote person. Very cool. Yeah. I hadn't heard of that one. I really like that one. Um, I like my fitness. So I'll go to a few on the phone and web. They're, they're kind of mixed. I use my almost, well, I use it every day. Um, and I use it because if you really want to lose weight or gain weight, which we're, you know, we can talk about a bit, I've gained 40 pounds in the past four months and now I'm losing 40 pounds in the next five months or six months. Now, how, um, just just so people understand what's going on here, oh, okay. how much how much of the forty would you say is muscle versus fat? Well, I don't know the exact. I didn't. I just, probably should have been more. If you oh. had to estimate how much of that is muscle, probably like half and half. Maybe I don't know the exact yeah, number. I think it's a bit more, honestly. So just we'll come back to this, guys. But Noah sent me a picture of himself. I hadn't seen him in about six months and could not recognize the guy. Um, now, granted, you're hitting a bicep pose in the uh, gym. No, you weren't. I'm kidding. But it was a shot from the gym, and I was just like, what the hell no, it was, you it do was a, yourself? It was, it was a naked selfie, dude. Come on. It was a, it's Tuesday. It was a naked selfie Tuesdays. That's kind of our routine. Uh, so we'll come back to that. But what do you, talk about what that, do you yeah, use uh, MyFitnessPal for? So I use MyFitnessPal, and I track every single thing I eat. And, it, and it's not so much that I want to be OCD and obsessive about, like, Oh, I have to track everything and I want to count everything. But it gives me, if you really want to accomplish something, and this is a tool that if you want to lose five pounds, it'll say like, eat this amount of calories and this much macros. And in four weeks, you'll hit five pounds. And so it's like, well, why wouldn't I do that? And it just makes me more accountable to help me hit the objectives of what I want to hit. And so it's like, am I under my macros and the amounts I want to be hitting today or not? And it just makes my life so much simpler to, to be able to figure that out. And over time, you kind of even know, you start knowing what you're you know, much more about the food that you're actually putting in your mouth about like how much protein a chicken has versus steak versus like, a, um, you know, like a quest bar, which is one of my favorite protein bars. No, definitely. And, uh, for those people wondering what macros are, uh, that's just referring to macronutrients. So the, the, what percentage of the food you're eating, calories you're eating are coming from fat, protein, or carbohydrates generally. And then when people refer to micronutrients, those would be say the trace minerals and so on and so forth, vitamins. Um, oh. There we go. And I'm actually experimenting with some some somewhat 
unusual macros right now, which are about 80% fat calories, 15% protein, and 5% or less carbohydrates, typically less than 30 grams a day, just to optimize for brain function as opposed to body function, which is working pretty well. Uh, What have you noticed about that? uh, I've noticed that when I hit, and I'm using a device called the Precision Extra with XTRA for tracking ketones uh, at, at a very precise level, you would hope since it's called the precision extra, uh, it gives you a readout in millimolars. So instead of peeing on a keto sticks, these things you can buy at Walgreens or wherever to indicate if you're in ketosis or not, you can get a concentration. So I'll prick my finger and check it and it'll say, oh, you're at 0.7 millimolars or 1.5 millimolars. And for my optimal mental performance, I've just noticed that I perform best at between say 1.1 and uh, let's just call it 1.7 millimolars. And my my belief up to this point, because I hadn't had a good tool, that was a nice quest bar burp, uh, uh, up to this point has been the deeper the ketosis, the better my brain will perform because the brain likes ketones. But for me, that doesn't appear to be the case. So I've been able to get super specific and sort of use my the food I put in my mouth like a sniper shot for mental performance, which is awesome. Uh-huh. So that's been the the primary benefit. And along with that, I've noticed, for instance, all of my morning fatigue for, say, the first half hour of the day is completely gone. I mean, 100% gone. I wake up and I'm ready to go, which is, has never been the case when I'm carb dependent. So that's interesting. I mean, it's funny. I was thinking, I think a lot about, I mean, I think we don't think about how much we, how much sleep affects us. And we all know sleep more and it's better. Um, I actually used to work in bed sheets at Macy's. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> wait, now you work in bed sheets, like you were selling bed sheets or you'd wrap yeah, yourself sold, up like Casper, Casper the ghost and go to work. No, I sold bed sheets to old women, uh, on commission. Huh. How and, old were you, how old were you when you did that? That was in high school. All right. And, uh, so I learned a lot about like bedding and we, I also worked in, uh, towels, but one of the things I was going to suggest is like, we're talking about apps and tools. I think a lot of people don't think about their physical tools. So, uh, I've tried to optimize my bed. Uh, I think I've done a pretty good job. So the, the company that I use a company on Amazon, uh, the one that I just tried actually a week ago that I'm going to be upgrading to is called Tuft and Needle. It's a little, like uh, these like kind of hipster guys out in Arizona, really nice. And they have like this super comfortable mattress. And then I found there's a guy literally he's like in the middle Midwest. He looks like your, your uncle and he created a thing called my pillow. Have you heard of this? No, I haven't. I've heard of Tuft and Needle though. That one, that name has come up a couple of times among friends. So I have to take a look at those guys. Yeah, I can put you in, t- in touch with them. I, I, I went and slept on it and laid on it like a few days ago. It was great. And uh, then, and I'm going to upgrade to that. They have a, and then I use a pillow called my pillow, which is like tri-foamed. I don't even know what he does, but it's really good. Um, oh. Because what I realized is like the more that I'm comfortable in bed, I just feel better. Absolutely. Like, and I wake up, you know, feeling, you know, pretty damn good every morning. And I use a company called Parachute for the bedding. Uh, and so those are the kind of the combination that I've been using. And I'm like, damn, I'm feeling really good when I wake up in the morning from all that stuff. And what, uh, what does the, just to, to come back to two things, uh, sure. or a few things, the nightly rituals, what is, what is, what are the last, say, two hours of your days typically look like? And when do you go to bed? When do you wake up, et cetera? The, my night varies a bit more. Um, but what I do at night is I try to put myself to sleep by reading. Uh, I notice I would, I'd try to watch shows or anything like that. And then I just get stimulated. So I'll go to bed and I, you know, I won't always have to read a business book, which my brother always kind of gave me crap about. Like there's other things besides nonfiction. Uh, so I've been reading like Jack Reacher books. Like, <laughs> I don't know if anyone has, comp- you know, suggestions for books that are fiction that are good. Like the Martian was probably one of the best books of the Jack year. Jack Reacher. 
Is that that's a those are graphic novels or what are those? Uh, it's it's the movie Tom Cruise is in, which oh, was surprisingly oh. good last year. Got it. Um, but I'll read. I'll basically just try to read, and that helps me go to sleep versus stimulating me. Uh, like I would watch shows like Big Love, which wasn't that good. Um, or now I'm watching with Daredevil. But basically, I realize like if I watch this stuff in bed, I don't go to sleep. So now I just do books instead, and I've been doing that for a little while. Um, so like The Martian was an amazing fiction book. It's probably yeah. one of the best in the past year or two. Th- that's that the the whole story of The Martian. I think it, what's his name, Andrew Wire or Weir, something like that. The whole story of how that was, uh, I guess, self-published or very very small to start with, and just developed a massive cult following. Then the audiobook was a huge, huge blockbuster hit, and it's taken off, and I think it's now being developed into a movie, or maybe the movie's already yeah. out. And I love that type of story. It's just like Fifty Shades of Grey. Everyone turned it down, um, and it just became a viral sensation on its own, which then led to it becoming a blockbuster. Like the book um, Go the Fuck to Sleep, the, the children's book, that was leaked as a PDF among people in the publishing world became this huge buzz item and then became a bestseller. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. What time do you typically go to bed and when have you found you perform best or how, how do you perform best in terms of going to bed and waking up? What, what are the times? So one thing I do is I don't keep a phone in my room. I think that's a common thing. We wake up and we have the phone right in our room and we just get all stimulated by that. So I keep my phone in a separate room always. Um, going to see varies. I think when I'm excited, like remember that guy, Steve Pavlina from like five to 10 years ago, he had really sure. good content. Yeah. He was very like strict about wake up at this time and don't wake up at this time. So I've changed my routines in the past year and it's helped me where one, I sleep in darkness now. So I don't sleep with natural light. Uh, and I don't really use an alarm. And I've noticed I wake up a little later now, but when I wake up, I don't need coffee and I feel more refreshed. And that's just what's worked for me. Hmm. So I wake, I think now I used to be waking up at seven 30 and I'd have to go to like do my old man pee. I don't know if you know, do you do that at home? Oh, I, well, I'm a bit of a uh, water hog. So I usually wake up also in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, which I, yeah, I've had my prostate checked. Um, <laughs> love the experience. Just kidding. Uh, but no, I, 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 you know, I've, I've checked out all that stuff. I just drink too much water. So yeah, I get up and I do the old man pee once or twice probably. Yeah, so I just found I slept better. So I moved my bed to dark. I know Tucker Max, our mutual friend, does that as well. Um, and then when I wake up, I try not to just go get overly stimulated with like my phone and everything already happening. And so my morning routine, and then I actually find that the days I'm not having coffee in the morning, I'm like, oh, I slept better. And when I've been sleeping in darkness, that's been happening. Um, and then I try to stay away from my phone for the first hour of my morning. So I spend the first hour making ideally the same breakfast every morning. And I generally will rotate that every three months. And so, like, now my breakfast is, is one cup egg whites, two eggs uh, with 2% cheese. And so I'll have that in the morning for breakfast, and then I'll read for the next 30 minutes. And you just scramble all that up together? Yeah. I, you actually did what you recommended in one of your early YouTube videos where I microwave it. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, but three, I the, the three minutes low carb breakfast. Yeah. Yeah. It was, <laughs> I was like, damn, you can microwave eggs. Now I like microwave everything. Um, no, but I've actually found, like, you know, it's relaxing, and I like that I'm eating the same thing so I don't have to think about it. Because sometimes, actually, when you have to think about dinner or lunch or breakfast, it's kind of tiring. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. like, oh, what the hell am I do? And then you have to process all this extra energy that I don't really want to. And so then I try to create a routine where it's like breakfast first thing and then it's uh, reading a book, whatever I'm interested in at that time. So the I'd love to dig a bit on the books because I know you've read a lot uh, and you've mentioned books to me before like uh, – well, there are, there are many, but uh, I think one one of them I found very helpful and have recommended to my startups, which is uh, Who, and maybe hmm. you could, maybe you could explain 
uh, or introduce that book and some of the others that you found very helpful uh, for for business and just for designing your own style of business? Sure. The uh, one thing I before I forget, Tim. One thing I, I've noticed there, there's two kind of there's well, many attributes, but I always think it's interesting to try to understand like what are the fundamentals of successful people like you and other people that it's like oh well, what are they doing that regular people aren't. And the two things I've noticed is one, I haven't really met any super successful people that don't read. I don't know if you've noticed that. Yeah, it's very it's very unusual. Yeah, it's, I've, I've never met like oh yeah, I don't really read anything. I don't really do anything. And the second thing is, this is one that everyone can do today, and I do it every day. I even do it in hotels, which and it's not something perverted. Um, <laughs> it's I know that's what you guys think. It's not exclusively something perverted. Yeah, let's be clear. No, right. They, uh, I make my bed every day. I don't know if yeah. everyone else does that, but I've always noticed it's just like a great way to get my win in the morning. Um, and some other people, I think, have mentioned that, but that's like I do those things. Like you know, I make sure I'm reading every day, and I make sure I make my bed. And those are kind of like two wins in the morning that always I'm like, nah, it's a pretty good day. Yeah. Um, so to the book, who not, not, to, not to interrupt, but I want to actually reinforce that for people because I hmm. never made my bed. And then two things happened. Uh, I saw a commencement speech by a war hero, uh, who, you know, just a highly, highly decorated veteran who had also come back to civilian life and just done tr- incredibly well in the private sector. And he said, you can't always change everything in the world you want to change, but start with making your bed in the morning. And I was like, what? Huh. But it stuck with me. And then I met a monk. I think his name is Dandipani. I might be messing up the pronunciation. In any case, he said, if you want to have a feeling of sort of calm control over things, and I'm paraphrasing here, start with making your bed in the morning so that when you come back to it, it's not complete chaos and you feel like things are in disarray. And I was like, well, that sounds kind of silly, but whatever, I'll try it for a week. And it's been a, just a, a, it's had a huge psychic impact. That's an incredible psychological ROI. So I do that every morning as well. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. I was talking with my team about similar kind of like, what are things that you could do today and you don't need anybody else and you could, you know, make yourself feel better and get better, you know, I would say success. Um, and, and two things that I've noticed is one, this is kind of a, a tangential one, but it's organize your dollar bills. I don't know if you do that. I, I'm not sure. You mean like by denomination? By, I do it by denomination. I do it in the same order. So they're all front facing in my wallet. Huh. Okay. And That's so I, I think it's a Susie Orman thing she said 10 years ago or so, but I've done it. And I just think it's like a respectful thing for your money. And it kind of makes you like, okay, money's good. Uh, and the other thing is that with the bed thing and things in my life in general, I don't know who told me this, but it, it's hard for me to let it go, which is like, just do it now. And so if you see something that's broken or if it's on the floor, if you have a dish, just like, just get it over with. And I try to I like, for some reason, I can't let that go when there's things like that. It just helps me get that kind of stuff done and it's relieving. Yeah. Uh, so I do that. That's, I don't know. Do you have mantras like that or anything mentally? I, that you're- I do. Well, I do. Uh, or reminders that are just sound bites that I've picked up over time. One of them that I thought was really profound in a lot of ways was advice I got from this, uh, this uh, mother, I mean, I, was, I stayed with a uh, an older couple and their family in Panama at one point, and the they were a real power couple. I mean, the 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 wife had done a ton when she was focused on career. Husband was a huge player and had like bought and sold some of the biggest companies in Central and South America, and they were both really, really. Uh, content and accomplished. And those two don't always go together. They're actually pretty rare. And uh, what she said to me was, you should make sure you always have uh, an incredible bed and, and and at least one incredible pair of shoes. Because if you're not in one, you're going to be in the other. 
And I was like, huh. <laughs> and so I started, I had always bought kind of the cheapest shoes to get around. And I was like, ah, it doesn't matter. I kind of, I viewed my shoes like a, a car almost as, which is how I view cars. I'm like, I don't need a Ferrari or some fancy car. It's just getting me from point A to point B. Like give me the crappiest thing, the cheapest thing that'll, that'll do the job. And I viewed my shoes in the same way. And, and I didn't realize how many physical problems I'd created until I actually invested in, started investing in better shoes. And you don't need a lot. I mean, you could have one pair, but it's like one pair of very good walking shoes. And, uh, and you know, I, I tend to, prefer these days, uh, not necessarily the five fingers or anything like that, because I don't think those are great walking shoes, uh, because the human foot is not designed to walk on concrete or asphalt. I, uh, but rather what you would call zero drop shoes. So shoes that don't have an elevated heel, but do have some protection for the bottom of the foot. And, uh, you can spend say 20 to 40 bucks on a good pair of like Chuck Taylors or, uh, Vans, that, and I have a, a black pair of Vans, for instance, that can double as dress shoes. Nobody notices. I've <laughs> had people compliment me on the shoes when I'm at like a business dinner. They're like, oh, those are great shoes. What are they? And I say Vans and they just, they're astonished. So that uh, tip, you know, having a high quality bed and, or, and high quality bedding, and then at least one pair of high quality shoes is, uh, is something that's, that stuck with me. I think that's so one, you know, one thing you were saying that I thought was cool. It's like when you tell stories, it's so much easier to remember. So in like two weeks, I can be like, yeah, Tim was like in the jungle in Panama with like some guru and they told him about shoes in a bed. And it's so much easier for me to remember that versus you just be like, yeah, I have a bed and better shoes. Oh yeah. It won't, it won't stick. Right. And the only reason, the only reason I've remembered that is because the context was unique. Right. Uh, it's interesting about what we remember. It's, it's funny. There's this music artist and I'll talk about the book who, but there's this music artist named Stitches. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He's kind of like off the grid. Uh, he's Florida based, but the guy is insane. Like he talks about doing drugs. He does. He doesn't talk about it. He does drugs on stage. <laughs> like he's got stitches tattooed all over his face, and uh, it's very extreme. And you know, maybe it's a fad. Maybe it's for now. But it, it makes me think about marketing and business and being remembered. And it, it kind of made me realize like you don't get remembered in the middle. No, you don't. You don't get remembered in the middle, and uh, you need to. That's why I recommend, uh, and look, it's not a perfect book, but it is a very helpful book, at least for me, The 22 Immutable Laws of Marketing. Yeah. The, the, the old version with not, don't get the like four internet one that's like AOL era. <laughs> uh, get the old one, which is like airlines and imported beer and all of these case studies. Uh, but it, it really points out that if you want positioning, whether that's for a product, for a, a, a point you're trying to persuade people to accept, or negotiation, you have to, uh, it's not enough just to be better. You have to be different, uh, because no one will have a chance to realize you're better if you don't have their attention first. Uh, and, uh, so, so just thinking of positioning in that way, um, is basically better as necessary, but not sufficient, I think is, is super critical. It's funny though, cause we're, we're like trained as, as like, a, I think humans to follow orders and raise our hands and stay in line. And I always try to encourage people and myself included to break a rule. And so I'm like, not every day, but I'm like, okay, can I run this light? Which not obviously I'm trying to run lights and kill people, but it's like, all right, well it says do not enter this way, but maybe I should just enter it or tell, you know, one thing I, I recommend to people is like the coffee challenge. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, <laughs> have you heard the coffee challenge? Well, I have because when we, uh, when we were filming the Tim Ferriss experiment oh, together, yeah. you actually forced our student to go do this, which I thought was fantastic. Uh, and, uh, so maybe you can explain that to people because certainly 
the the Jason Bourne style going the wrong way down a one way uh, is probably not what I would I suggest people to do. But uh, the coffee challenge is something I would suggest everyone do. So maybe you can explain that. Yeah. Um, well, it's funny. So I'll tell the story of my brother. Uh, so I told my brother to do the coffee challenge and he's like, I'm a doctor. I'm the man. I could do anything. And, uh, so we went to like some random place in Arizona where he lives. And so the coffee challenge is you have to go up to the counter and you order coffee. And if you don't drink coffee, order tea. If you don't drink tea, order water. I don't care. And then you just ask for 10% off. And everyone listening, I know you listening right now in your ears, you're like, Oh, that's stupid. Noah's stupid. Tim, I'm going to pause this podcast, whatever. Uh, because it's so easy. I, I've been doing sales 20 years. And uh, I told my brother to do it. And he's like, are you kidding me? I could do it. To, I'll do it in a minute. So it was on his birthday last year. And he goes up to the guy and he pauses because he's scared. <laughs> and I filmed the whole thing. And I was like, he's like, uh, could, could, could I have 10% off? And they're like, uh, uh, why? He's like, because. And they, I do believe they ended up giving it to him. And the coffee challenge sounds kind of silly. But the whole point is, you know, to business and in life. Uh, and to even, you know, being on not necessarily the extremes, but you have to ask for things and you have to put yourself out there. And that's the hard part. And for anyone who hasn't done the coffee challenge, once you go do it, you learn just a ton about yourself. Nothing that you could read in a book or that you can even do just hearing. So next time today, you're at a place where you're buying something, ask for 10% off. Tell them Tim sent you. <laughs> Don't do that. Do not do that. Okay. Tell them Noah sent you. I'll yeah, take it. It's fine. No, tell, no. Them to, tell them to come to me yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and see what you learn about yourself because you realize it's harder than it is. But once you get over it. And we did this for our, our monthly 1K product where it's like, hey, go figure out that asking for money and asking for things isn't as hard as it seems. And now you can start asking for things that you're like, well, now I want you to buy something of mine or a service or a product that you know, I really believe in versus just you know, asking for a discount, which is more of a practice. Yeah. And I think there, there are a couple of things that are important to underscore there. The first is a lot of the limitations we feel we have are completely self-imposed. And, uh, and if you look at say the coffee challenge or a comfort exercise, like one from the four hour work week, which was going into a coffee shop. And I would suggest probably doing these two in two different coffee shops, <laughs> uh, just go in and lay down on the floor for like five seconds and don't say anything. And then just get back up. Like nothing happened. <laughs> and, uh, the worst case scenario is so it, trivial. You know what I mean? It's so trivial. It's just a little bit of discomfort. Uh, but it goes to show you how many rules we follow that may not be serving our best interest, right? And and those the, the coffee shop rules are, are just uh, easy to break, so it's a safe experimental lab. But uh, you know, when people are like, "Well, I can do this or I can do that," and I remember asking you know Matt Mullenweg, the the lead developer of WordPress, who's now the CEO of uh, Automatic, which is a billion dollar plus company. Uh, I asked him a question at one point and I was like, well, is it this or is it this? And his, his answer was, that's a false dichotomy. Meaning you're asking me to choose between, between two things that are not mutually exclusive or there are other options, right? Like what is C, what is the C option? What is the D option? And it's, it's, uh, there's an expression and I'm paraphrasing here. It's a quote actually from Thomas Edison who said, you know, when you've examined all the options, just remember colon, you haven't. And it's like, huh, interesting. And I mean, for for example, I mean, with the, with the Tim Ferriss experiment with the TV show, uh, when the division at Turner went out of business and everything got shut down, everything got shelved. Uh, almost everybody basically said, like, that's game over. All right, let's all move on with our lives. We had a good time. That's it. You can't get the TV show out. You can't get the TV show back or anything like that. And it took a year of looking at, you know, what if I did this absurd thing? What if I took this absurd approach? Like, how do I 
craft a deal when it's even if I were to get the show back for Turner, it's a, it's a rounding error on pocket change for them. They're, they're just, there's not really incentive. So like, how do you figure out the deal structuring and so on? And eventually found a way to do it, but it took a lot of poking and prodding and kind of uh, rolling out hypotheticals, like taking a piece of paper and being like, okay, so I'm just going to freehand write and flow for like 10 minutes. And just like, what are the most absurd things I could do to possibly get these things back and not judge, right? You're going to throw out really stupid things, probably some illegal things, probably some dangerous things, uh, probably some completely self-destructive things. And then you look through it and you're like, okay, now this is interesting. And I heard a, 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 a quote from, or a story from a comedian once stand-up guy. And he said, uh, how did he put it? He said, writing well or generating good ideas is like orchestrating a room full of people in a fire emergency. He's like, when, if there's a fire, you can't have everyone rush for the exit at once. Um, and because they'll get blocked in the doorway, you have to let each one out at a time and then you can organize it afterwards. You can like group them into whatever, you know, stupid, mediocre and good ideas after the fact. And so just doing that type of freehand idea generation, um, for solutions, I find to be to be super helpful. But I know I, I'm I know we've uh, bounced around a little bit. But I know we're supposed to talk about the Who book. But you know, yeah. you know what's funny, Tim? Because like uh, I mean, obviously, me and you are a little more known on the internet, and you know, we've done some things that people will be like, "Well, you're Tim Ferriss, right?" And that's yeah. actually what I hear a lot. And so it, it's like, "Well, you're Tim, so it's easier for you." And I don't I don't think they have. I don't know. I think a lot of people don't have the realization that like everyone has that opportunity. Yeah, I know definitely. And I had, I mean, for instance, I had something I was doing online recently and, uh, this guy responded on Twitter and he said, well, it's easy for you. You're Tim Ferriss and you have a blog with a million plus people. And <laughs> this other guy, um, um, well-known, uh, blogger, Darren, uh, Darren Rose, or I might be Rouse, R-O-W-S-E, pro blogger, uh, who's a very, very, um, savvy content guy with a huge audience. He said, we all start at the same place, zero readers. Yeah, and it's just like it, rather than rather than dismissing uh, dismissing other people as having achieved things that are unattainable, recognize like we, they they started kind of like naked and alone in the world without any skills. Those are they had to develop that, and uh, you know you and I have a lot of the same challenges even still today. I, I assume I know we've had some pretty deep conversations about challenges we've had. That everybody else has. And it's like, you don't get rid of those problems. You just kind of trade up. Uh, that, so. That's dude preach. I'm like, Oh, I was, the sermon was good right there. <laughs> I'm like nodding. I'm like, yeah, Tim. I mean, one thing, you know, especially cause I've, you know, started a few businesses and, uh, what I, what, what I think most people don't realize is that every major company, Facebook, Dell, Microsoft, Google, all of it started with like one dude or two dudes or, or two women with no customers. Yeah. They all started the same size as everyone else. So that it, it you know, it's start there, get that one customer and build up. And that's how you get to become the size of those companies or, you know, have a large site or whatever it is that, you know, each person wants to accomplish. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Amazon in the early days, I mean, in the, their, their desks were, I think they were just doors from like cheap wooden doors from Home Depot across two file cabinets. Like those were their desks. You know, when it was, you, you know what I think about Tim, especially like with you. So I met you before your even first book came out. I always think it's the funniest thing. I email you I got an email intro to you and I got an auto responder. I was like, Hey, I'm surfing in Costa Rica. And I'm like, who the fuck is Tim Ferriss? <laughs> you know, an auto responder surfing in Costa Rica. Hey, I'll be back in two weeks. I'm like, all right, I don't really want to meet this guy. Um, but I think what, what separates out a lot of the winners versus losers is that it's not only that you got the book out there, but you've been doing it consistently for 10 years. 
same with Zuckerberg at Facebook is that it's easy to be a, a, to get a hit for a week or a month or two months, but do it for, you know, Zuck has made decisions for 10 years. You've done your stuff for 10 years. Like AppSumo I've been doing for five years. Like, you know, those things like, I mean, you know, AppSumo is now a seven figure business, but I made $12,000 myself the first year. Yeah. Right? And that, you know, it's like, well, no, you're making, you know, good money now, but it's like, well, yeah, it, it starts small <laughs> and then you've got to keep going. You got to persist with it. No, definitely. And you have to choose good teachers. And for me, because I was on my own so much and probably for you, books were a lot of those teachers for me. Dude, I love, I love how you brought it back. You Look see, you see, I'm did more... everyone hear that right there? Look at that's an interviewer. <laughs> All right. So we're going to do the who book. So let me just look, do you mind if I just rattle them off and then people just go buy them? Rattle them off. And then I might ask you to dig into some. All right. So here are the books. So I went through, I have a, I can give you the list for everyone, about every book I've read, I, I catalog every book and movie I've read. Um, and I'm just going to give you like the seven ish one, business related and personal that I think are just super, super helpful. Um, my favorite one in the past year has been essentialism. Yeah. Um, and it's basically just the whole book literally is just like, say no to everything. That's not important. So I learned that at Facebook, that book was a great reminder of it. And even like with our main product, sumome.com, like we have one goal, which is to hit uh, a certain revenue target. And every decision we do is either, does it help towards that or not? And we say no to everything else. Um, the who book that, and feel free to interrupt me. Um, I'm sure you will. I don't no, need to no, say I, that, do I? I? <laughs> no, no. We've, uh, yeah, we've known each other long enough. I'll, I'll jump in if need be. Perfect. The Who book is, there's a longer book called Top Grading, uh, which I wouldn't read because it's like, it's thick. It's really thick. The Who book is like a condensed version of it. And I learned it at Mint where the founder was using it. And so Who basically helps you create a framework for thinking about who you want to hire, the questions you want to ask, and then how do you filter, find them, and then get down to make sure you have the right person. Uh, Matt's interview was great because he makes people audition, um, for the jobs. And I like that, but I also use who, which, you know, helps you have some really basic questions that you could standardize so yeah. that you can compare people. Yeah. Who has, uh, who has some really solid chapters that lay out exactly the series of questions that you can ask at different points in the process. It's really solid. What I'll do, Tim, is I'll email you after this. I'll email you my, <laughs> I'm so weird. I, I write book reports on every book I read. Awesome. And, and so I'll email you the book report on who. So for the people that, you know, it's funny because I think if you read it, you'll get more out of it because you'll, you have to keep reading the same message. Most books are one page, but you repeat it enough times you remember it. Um, and so, yeah, I'll, I'll send you the book report afterwards so that people can, uh, cool. can get the condensed version. Yeah, I'll add, I'll add all sorts of goodies in the, in the show notes. Um, my two other, my favorite sales business book of, of all time, which is one of the underground ones. And I think you might know Amanda Holmes, but it's from her father and it's called the ultimate sales machine. And this book is just like, it's like an underground. I had it on my shelf for six months. It was one you kind of skip over. Like I have a books on my shelf now and I skip over them. I'm like, nah, I'll get to that one later. And I finally got it for an airplane and I get on the airplane and I open the first page and I'm on the introduction and I'm like, all right, rabbit ear that page. Next page, rabbit ear. Next page, rabbit ear. Like the whole book was folded over. Uh, and I finished it on that airplane ride. And it's one of these books that not enough people talk about, but everyone who reads it is always like, oh, I'm really glad I read that one. You must fold your pages like origami masterpieces because yeah. I usually hear dog. I usually hear dog ear, but rabbit ear I kind of like. Yeah, <laughs> I've actually been trying to carry a pen when I read certain business books uh, because I just find it easier to come back to the the specific sections I want to write in my book reports. Um, other things, an old school book that if you're looking to do service type business, Million Dollar Consulting is great for how to raise your prices and how to actually start your own service or consulting based business. I really like that. Um, right now I'm really thinking a lot more about sales, especially with Suomi as we're, we're growing that product. Uh, so I read two books recently that were really strong on sales. One's the sales acceleration formula. Hmm. 
and that is more around SaaS based selling, but it could still be good for so you know how to find the right as a surface like uh, the the Sumo Me's or the Dropboxes of the world. Wow, you lumped me with Dropbox. Thanks, bro. No problem. Hey, man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the the Sumo Me, the Googles. Um, so it's basically like how to find like filter through people on LinkedIn, how to ask like the specific text to how to ask for a referral. Um, you don't ask for, you don't email someone asking to hire them. You ask, email them, ask to refer someone else. And that's generally a good way to get to know them and possibly get a referral. Well, it's like uh, raising money. People say, if you want, if you want money, ask for advice. If you want advice, ask for money. <laughs> oh man. Actually, you know, one thing that I think Shane, do you know Shane Snow? I do. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's been on your site a few yeah, times. He, I yeah, love he, Shane. Yeah. He wrote, uh, he did a bunch of experimentation with Soylent when it first came out and then wrote the first kind of review of two weeks of being on it on my blog, which caused all sorts of firestorms but uh yeah yeah i do know shane i love shane and everyone should check out his book smart cuts it's actually it's a really good book too but but that wasn't even the point um shane told me one of the great ways you can get a mentor or meet anyone you want to meet is just interview them so that's something actually for me there's companies i really respect like taco deli it's a local it's my favorite taco in the world um they're in austin and so i basically you know you reach out to people like hey i just want to promote you to my audience and even if you have a small audience and you know tim me and you can actually i think we're going to possibly later show people how to get their own audience live right uh in the show oh yeah well it won't be live it'll be recorded and you can do it instantly when you listen to it on your phone and so shane was basically like yeah interview people and then it's a chance for you to meet and connect and it's the best way to get a hold of someone versus normally you you know ask an email and be like hey can i just have something um (laughs) a few other books that i'm really i really enjoyed spin selling really shifted my mindset about how you're going to be approaching customers and really thinking about like the formula, which is like, you know, situation, problem, uh, implication, and then like so natural solution or need solution. And it basically helps you really transition people to be like, Hey, what problem do you have? And think about if you're really helping them and say, well, if you're going to need this help, you should probably use our solution. <laughs> it's a great way of thinking yeah, about, no, think, absolutely. think of yourself as an advocate, which is like, yeah. Hey, you have, what's your situation? All right. What problem do you have? All right, well, how would the, if we can solve it, how would that make your life better? Oh, well, guess what? We actually have that solution for that problem that we just solved for you that you sounds like it was what really important for you. Yeah, no, absolutely. And this applies in more places than people might realize. So for instance, I had someone ask me recently, uh, you know, why do you think people take action when they read your stuff? Like it seems like there's a high conversion rate compared to most books. Like people actually take action. And I was like, well, I'm not sure if that's true, but uh, I hope it's true. And if it is true... I think it's because in each of my chapters, let's just say in the four hour body, I basically take that spin selling approach of establishing the problem first and combine it with the sort of story arc of like the writer's journey or Joseph Campbell stuff and tie it into a narrative that people can remember. So it's, uh, these types of mental frameworks apply to more contexts and areas than I think people might realize. I mean, it, it applies to everything. I mean, I don't think people realize that like the two most important things, are, I mean, I don't know if the most important, but two very important things are copywriting and selling. And I think those are that and personal finance are three of the probably most undervalued or underrecognized things that people should spend more time learning. What have you read that has helped you most with copywriting? The number one thing, and it's completely free, is the Gary Halbert letters. Yeah. So my good, you know, Neville, I don't know if you know my good buddy uh, Neville. Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, we yeah, Neville at Copywriting Course. And Neville got me into him and his, his writing is just so fluid. Um, and uh, obviously it's practice, which I always hate because when you hear cliche things like that, you're like, I know it's practice, but I want tips. Uh, <laughs> and so the Gary Halbert letters, he wrote these things called the Boron letters were to his son while he was in jail. And, uh, they're just phenomenal copywriting pieces about how to sell and how to think about things. And, and we can link to that. Those are totally free and great. 
Um, there's the other stuff like Ogilvy on advertising is a really good book. It's so, uh, it's, it's so often recommended, but so few people actually read it. It's a really good book. I, you know what I did? And I like literally, this is not a joke for you or your audience. Like I, I, in college, I, in college, obviously that's a great sentence in college. I was, in a, I, I was in English as a second language. What? Dude, I'm American. I was born in San Jose, California. Sweet. <laughs> like my parents speak English. So I'm just trying to give you an idea of how bad of a, a writer I was. <laughs> and maybe still am. Wait, are you serious? Yeah, dude. I was in English as a second language. It was you, me and a bunch of people who couldn't speak English. You took ESL courses? Yeah. Well, wait, I didn't want to. I wait, had did to. you like crash the course or was, was it recommended No, it was a requirement at Cal because I wasn't, my English was so low. <laughs> um, <laughs> I wish it was like a joke. I'd be like, oh, well, yeah, I can speak English. It's like, dude, I, I'm from America. <laughs> you know, that's, it's funny you mention that because I remember uh, looking at TOEFL, the test of English as a foreign language. Yeah. And, uh, People generally don't actually understand the mechanics of their native language very well, but you forget that and you think you're like, oh, I'm a native speaker. Of course I know English. And then you look at the test and they're like, what is the difference between anything and something? And you're like, uh, <laughs> and yeah, I would totally fail TOEFL. If I had to take TOEFL to get into uh, anything, uh, absolutely would, would probably flunk out. Yeah, no. So that's serious. So I'd say Gary Hubbard helped. And actually, no one thing that's not a book, but really probably changed the game for me writing wise, besides writing a lot, uh, was getting an editor. And that's because I would write something and I'd be like, this sounds great. I can't believe how good. It. And then I would show it to Neville or Anton uh, at the AppSumo team. And they'd be like, this is garbage. And I'd be like, no, it's good. And then once they would start reading it um, and give me the feedback, it changed. Then I'm like, okay, now I'm getting why it's not as entertaining or how I can improve things like photos and bold and how I shift around my sentence, grammar, and structure. How would you suggest people implement that for themselves? If they're asking someone to, to proofread something, uh, what, do you, what are the instructions that you give someone? Or what type of person are you looking for? Well, working backwards, I'm looking for someone who I like their writing. Mm -hmm. And also, I'll tell you what I did last year, which was really helpful. I, get, I created an inner circle. And it basically was people that I really enjoyed their writing. And I said, hey, I'm going to create a small group of people. I think there's about five of us. And anytime we're putting out an article, let's send it to the group and you could leave comments in the Google Doc. Everyone can just leave a comment so it doesn't change the writing, but it can give you feedback about that type of writing. And it also, when you finally finish the article, those people would help promote it, which is a whole nother marketing tactic. So do those people that you would upload a new doc to say a shared folder and then just invite those people via email or how do you guys? Exactly. Well, so if you created a Google doc, so I'd go to Google docs, create a file, just any file, I would share it with them. So I'd share it with you. And then on that file, you can have it be just comment only. And so they would go in and leave a bunch of comments. I would go fix it. And I'd be like, wow, that was actually a lot better. And then subsequently my writing even gets stronger and I would do it for them when they had their articles. Got it. Got it. That's like, cool. I don't know for you, like I'm, I'm still, you know, okdork.com, my personal blog, you know, it's a hundred thousand subscribers. It gets a decent amount of traffic. I'm still scared of my writing because it's just like, <laughs> cause you know, and that's why I like having a, an editor because I'm like, there's probably some, tons of grammar that's going to get ripped on and you know, it represents me and I want to look good. Um, so having the editor and like peers be able to edit my things, especially like with Google docs, I know a lot of people use like a Hemingway or a, what is it? Draft. Yeah. Draft I've used. It's pretty sweet. Um, Draft I like. I haven't used Hemingway, like the name, despite the guy's uh, somewhat unfortunate end. Uh, but those are two ones for like group editing. I mean, so for writing, yeah, those are the stuff. And then the two ones, I would say coming back to like selling stuff, um, spin selling I just mentioned, sales acceleration formula we talked about. And then I'd say lastly, there's a book called Small Giants, 
Mm. Uh, Small Giants is a great book. Uh, uh, I'll let you describe it. It had a huge impact on me, though, when I read it. What what, what was the impact? Five, seven, eight years ago. Well, I I assume we're talking about the same book. It's uh, Bo Burlingham. Exactly. Uh, It was just – I think the subtitle – what is the subtitle? It's something like Companies That Choose to Be the Best, Not the Biggest or something like that. But the the idea that – size or growth does not have to be the measure of success if you're an entrepreneur. It's just a very conceptually uncommon thing to hear. Uh, and I just love – that's one of the books that kind of put the the finishing touches on convincing me that you know selling – trying to find price-insensitive people <laughs> to sell to uh, – is just a complete game changer or making something that is so good and so over delivers that you can charge a premium price. Um, those, those are a few of the things that I took away from that. What, what about you? Uh, that's very long. Line. I mean, I, I think if you people that are listening that are not in Silicon Valley, I don't think they understand like how, I don't know. I don't know exactly how to share, but it's just like everything is about if you're a billion dollar company and if you're going viral and if you have a lot of funding and if you're not, you're a nobody and you're nothing and everything is pointless. Uh, and it was re- refreshing to hear these, you know, pretty subs, you know, substantial companies like uh, uh, Cliff Bar or I think there's a beer company in San Francisco uh, that were doing great things in big companies, but just doing it in their own way. And it's, you know, it's very empowering to realize like, yeah, you can do your own thing and it can be big and you don't have to compromise on those things. Like my favorite taco shop here, it's been, they've been around since 1999 and they have five shops. But our common uh, notion is that you have to go viral, not viral, but you have to scale. So 10 shops and 20 shops and they're going at a pace that's comfortable for them. They don't have to be Starbucks, you know, and yeah. they're just doing their taco deli thing. And that's why I respect them. And, you know, I get, I talk about them so much. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it can be a really profound, I think, awakening for people when they start to, when they sit down and really try to assess what, what would add value to their lives and more joy and, um, excitement and that's that's very rarely money for the sake of money uh, because the money you ex- you exchange for an experience or uh, interacting with certain types of people or any number of things and there are other ways to get those things besides scaling a company making making a bunch of money that you can trade for those things i mean for instance you mentioned the taco shop uh, you could look at other examples like uh, jiro from jiro dreams of sushi and his like 12 seater uh, three-star sushi restaurant in Tokyo, he has no desire to scale that. You know what I mean? In fact, it's kind of antithetical to his entire personality and uh, mission for sort of perfecting his craft, right? And, uh, you know, one of the examples of, from Small Giants, uh, there was an Andy DeFranco example, but then there was another example which I thought was so awesomely niche and so just fantastic, which was, uh, and I, I'm pretty sure I'm getting the book right. It was uh, leather pants, and uh, specifically the person who made leather pants for like Cheryl Crow, and they became hugely famous because she has nice legs and ass. But also the pants were really cool, and you know for I think Aerosmith and so on. But it, one of these examples where they're uh, they're like this uh, guy I bought a hunting rifle from, he makes 20 rifles a year and they're customized. They're just incredible. And he'd done me a bunch of favors and I, I wanted one of his guns, but it was also just to say thank you. And they have no desire to scale and how that, how dramatically that improves their quality of life and ability to, ability to optimize other facets of their life. 
when you remove that as the sole objective. Anyway, I just, uh, I'm really glad you brought that book up because I, I actually have it on my bookshelf, literally uh, in my living room, positioned in a way that anytime I sit down on my couch, I can see it face out right next to a handful of other books like uh, Zorba the Greek and The Magic of Thinking Big and a few others. Have you read uh, Richard Feynman's book? Oh, surely you must be joking, Mr. Feynman. Dude, have you talked about it in the show? I, I don't think I have, but it's, it, that is actually another one of the like half dozen books that's up on my shelf. <laughs> I mean, why, why, don't you, why, don't you talk, why don't you talk about that book for a second? Because it's one of my favorite books of all time. It's one of these books, and I have it. So if you ever meet me in person, I'll give you my – I have an extra copy because it's just that amazing. Um, this is a guy who won the Nobel Prize, I believe. He helped create the atomic bomb. Yep. Yeah, he worked at Los Alamos. Uh, yeah. Also helped identify the, the O-ring that caused the Challenger disaster. And just like the amount of stuff that he's done, you're like, okay, this guy's got to be weird. And he's just so greatly weird. And he talks like a human. And just like all of his experience, I think the biggest thing that I took away from the book is just his curiosity to life and experiences where he would just start like, oh, well, you know, one day I just thought drinking wasn't fun. So I stopped drinking and he walked out of a bar and never drink again. Or he wanted to pick up, I think, was it bongo drums? Yeah, bongo drums. Uh, he also wanted to learn how to pick up women. So he would go into bars. <laughs> uh, just didn't give a shit what other people thought too, which was amazingly refreshing. Uh, he decided he wanted to learn how to uh, safe crack, to open safes. And so he would prank people in Los Alamos where they were building the atomic bomb. So he would, <laughs> he would take out confidential papers and like put them on the desk of somebody he wanted to freak out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, the, the finding book and what I love most about it, it just makes you curious about the world. I was, I was mentioning briefly, like my brother's kid is touching grass for the first time. And I just look at grass and my other like, oh, grass, whatever. And this kid is like touching grass and feeling it and experiencing it. Uh, and it makes you kind of just appreciate all the things that are going around in life in the world. I'm like, oh, that's really great. And, uh, and I think that book just inspired me with that. And that's why I you know, highly recommend it. It's uh, it's a must read. And also the fact that when he was on his last you know, on, on his uh, sort of last legs towards the end of his life, he was still doing things that he that, that challenged his belief systems or his skill sets. So he learned how to paint very late in his life. Oh yeah! As a scientist who was super diehard engineer, who really felt like the romanti- romanticizing of uh, say people who would argue that you know the scientist uh, takes the magic out of something like a flower because they deconstruct it in scientific terms. And his argument was that's entirely the opposite. We can appreciate so much more that you can't see. And, uh, but felt compelled to sort of trade best practices with a friend of his who is a well-known painter and uh, become a a white belt again and suck at painting. And (laughs) I don't know if this was in his book. I think there's a there's actually a, an interview with Richard Feynman. Uh, I'll, I'll link to this in the show notes at fourhourworkweek.com forward slash podcast. But um, there's a YouTube video that I'll link to called The Pleasure of Finding Things Out. And, and I think in that, might be somewhere else, they talk about he would go to strip clubs <laughs> to paint as like an old dude. <laughs> and uh, just really was was not affected by public pressure. And that's something I I admire so much, especially as in times when I feel defensive, like I have to protect something that I've created or anything like that. Uh, The the fact that he was willing to seemingly throw it all away by doing things that would negatively impact his reputation when in the end, they never did. Nobody cared because they're too busy thinking about themselves. 
Exactly. And, and to add to that, Tim, I, I think you're, you're right on the money. One thing that, that I started doing is you ever, I'm like, well, I, notice, I try to notice like when I'm feeling really good or like what happened that made me feel really good. And I was noticing that reading and like studying and learning, like reading Feynman's book made me feel really good. But you, I noticed as we get older, you just like you schedule a day around all the work stuff you're doing. And so on Tuesdays from 10 to 12, I schedule nothing but learning. So every Tuesday it's on repeat. And that's one of the, my tactics. I put things on repeat on my calendar. So 10 to 12 every Tuesday. And my friend Neville again uh, got me into learning from YouTube videos. And I'm like, YouTube videos? And so I go on YouTube videos and I bookmark specific people. So Feynman videos are amazing. And then Elon Musk's videos are, are just as phenomenal. And I was like, wow, you can learn from YouTube. I never really thought of intentionally going to find things to, to listen to and watch. What, uh, how did you choose that time on Tuesday? Uh, Monday I do team meetings. And so I would, you know, I kind of almost be tempted to do it all day. But Monday is kind of like my organization day. Um, I can give you, if you know, yeah. I can talk about it afterwards, we, I do a specific thing that really helps me on my Mondays. Uh, so Tuesday is like the next day that I'm available to start thinking about things because most of your good stuff doesn't come when you're doing, it comes when you're thinking. Um, and then I'm starting to incorporate on my Thursdays, trying to do like a fun activity like disc golf. Yeah. So on Thursday afternoons, Thursday mornings, 10 to 12, I'll try to go out and just like play disc golf or go for a bike ride or something where uh, I just have time that's my mind is like a little more free. What, uh, do you have your activities clustered by day? Like, what do you do? For instance, you said team meetings on Mondays. Is there a, a certain focus on Tuesdays aside from the studying Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? Like, do you, do you break things out and categorize them that way? I don't batch. The way I look at my week, um, is on Monday mornings, I basically have three categories that matter to me, which is like work, workout and personal. And then I, I label three things for each one. In workout, I, I put four because I work out four days a week. So I have three things for work, four things on workout, and three things for personal. And then I put those in my calendar during the week about when I want to batch those tasks. Like I want to do my work things this time during these days. And then I leave the rest of the calendar open. And I think Mark, I learned that from Mark Andreessen where he's like, certain things are going to be more important certain days. I'm not going to try to block it out for something else. Uh, and so then I just focus on the three I, I commit to doing at the week. And then uh, every Monday I review my calendar with uh, my friend Adam from mybodytutor.com. And so we share what we said we're going to do, see what how we did. What was it called? Mybodytutor? Yeah. Have you heard of mybodytutor.com? No. B-O-D-Y-T-U-T-O-R? Yeah. I mean, we can talk about I'm, – I'm happy to stay long and talk health and fitness. But he basically has helped me get ripped abs. And now he's helped me bulk up to 200. And he's helping me get back, back down to bulky ripped bulky and ripped at like 175. Uh, and I've been working with him for about a little over four years and he's one of my best friends. What are some uh, of, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say, so that's what I, how I organize my week where on Mondays I email him a review of the previous week using followup.cc because it reminds me. And I think if you don't review what you've done, it's hard to know how you're progressing. And then I commit to what I want to do this upcoming week. Let, let's and talk. so everyone should get an accountability buddy. Um, Cause it's, so Adam emails me. I'm like, yo, what, why didn't you do this last week? Or how come every week you're doing the same crappy thing that's not doing anything? You should think differently about it. Um, so I think for side projects or full-time businesses, I still do it with him. And I've been doing this with him for a few years now. Very cool. I want, I want to, to pick a little bit at some of the tips you have for people who might want to gain muscular size. Uh, I'll, I'll, before I get to that, I want to add a few other resources. So you mentioned my body tutor, which is great. I hadn't heard of it. So that's definitely going to go in the back of my mind on the list, a couple of others sure. that people might like for finding accountability partners would be uh, coach.me, coach.me. Hmm. 
uh, used to be Lyft. Uh, the oh really? Uh, yeah, and I I advise those guys. So I've I've had fun ex- running experiments with them. The other is there are two others actually. Uh, Stick dot com s t i c k k dot com where you can put money on the line that you can lose if you don't hit certain milestones, which is very incentivizing for people as a consequence. And then uh, one that is very strictly uh, money related, which is dietbet.com. So if you want to lose weight, uh, you can, you can put together a betting pool basically <laughs> and, uh, and make, and make that work, uh, for gaining muscular size. This is, I, I, as you would imagine, get a lot of questions about this, but what were the biggest, uh, if you had to give someone advice, say a guy who is your size before you started bulking up yep. for, for gaining 40 pounds in, 40 pounds uh, in six to 12 months. And let's just say most of that should be muscle. What what would be huh? the advice? If they're like, ah, I've never been able to gain weight, man. I think I'm doing everything that I could possibly do. What, yep. are, your, what are your tips? Well, I would start with the foundation. So I wouldn't actually even recommend this to most people because it is it is challenging once you hit that goal to come back down because you get comfortable eating like nachos and you get comfortable eating like drinking beer. And you know, obviously some people do clean bulks, but I did a mix of it. So what I would actually recommend is get a foundation of being able to eat healthy consistently and maintaining or losing your weight, probably maintaining for at least, I would say, six months to a year. I've been doing a consistent diet for two years before I even tried to bulk. Hmm. So I don't think if you, unless you're ready to be able, unless you have the mental capacity to be able to control it, I wouldn't recommend it because um, it's very easy to let kind of get lost with it. Uh, and that's why my fitness pal and Adam were so helpful because for two years I was eating very consistently and, and losing weight and getting the body I wanted. The one thing that was actually fascinating, Tim, is until I started doing my fitness pal, um, I was going to the gym like three, four days a week, but I was staying tiny. And I'm like, what the, f- what the F is going on? Uh, and it's because I wasn't you, eating you enough can, protein. You can say fuck. Uh, frick. <laughs> uh, <laughs> dude, I don't know. Like I was on Pat Flynn's podcast and he's just like, he's like, I had to edit half your interview. Uh, and so, my, you know, the, I've been, I've been watching Big Love, the Mormon TV show. So I'm just like all about it. Um, anyways, right. so. Basically, for a long time, I wasn't eating enough protein, and that's why I wasn't getting bigger. And so that's what made me a little more curious about it. So number one, I would say try doing just maintaining or losing for a year so that you're comfortable with it. Uh, the big things with gaining weight, so I went from 160 to 200 in a few months. Uh, so number one, I would say plan your calorie intake, how much you actually need to be having each day. Because otherwise, besides that, you're blind. You're just like, well, I should have this many. And you really don't know. So if you want to hit a certain weight, just work backwards from how many calories you need to be eating every day to get that amount. Um, I'd say the big things for me were, one, I had a buddy who was doing it at the same time. And that was a game changer because he's doing it and he's gaining weight. And I'm like, well, fuck, I have to do it too. Uh, and it was just much more helpful to have someone supporting me. And my, one of my best friends, John Ross, was locally and we're both gaining. Uh, secondly, I did use weight gainer which I don't know if there's a debate. I haven't looked at the tons of science, but it does help you gain weight and get the mass that you want. It does go away a little bit because of creatine and blah, 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 which I'm not going to get into because I don't know it super well. <laughs> uh, but that really significantly helped me gain weight. And, and ultimately, you kind of have to look at like, all right, you get tired of eating. You get yeah. to a point of like, I am sick of eating. So what is the cheapest way to get as many calories and as much protein in my body uh, to help me gain this weight? Uh, so in the morning, it was like, how can I do protein shakes uh, quest bar, egg whites, eggs, whatever I could take and basically doubling everything I was already currently doing. <laughs> so whatever you think you're eating, eat double, but basically at, at some point what you have to figure out and what I started doing is like, what is the protein ratios of food and just eating the highest protein to highest like calorie food, uh, to really put on as much weight as possible. 
Yeah, it's the, the the working out isn't the hard part. It's the eating by far. And um, you plat and you plateau, man. I hit like one seventy plateaued, one eighty plateaued, one ninety plateaued. And you know what's funny is uh the last night I wanted to hit it by March first to two hundred pounds, and this is you know I hit I was at like one ninety seven, and uh, and I, my girlfriend was like, and I was it was like twelve, it was not twelve, it was like ten thirty, and I'm like oh, I'm not gonna hit it, and she's like you need to stop being a bitch. And start putting some food in your mouth. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and I've ate and drank and ate. And then, at, you know, before midnight, I was, at, you know, like Cinderella, I hit my 200. <laughs> There's a, one other thing that was really helpful, Tim, that I'll, and I think you, I don't know what tool you use. I use WeThings scale. Yeah, WeThings. Yeah, yeah. The, the automatic um, sort of, uh, I guess it's Wi-Fi or Bluetooth enabled scale that automatically creates graphs for you. So I use, what I do is I have a WeThing scale and I take my, and you can embed your weight chart online. So I embedded it online and I shared it with Adam and he would check in with me every day to be like, you're skinny, you're fat, you're fat, you're doing well, why aren't you getting more weight and so forth. Um, <laughs> and it's very counter because most people want to lose weight. And so when you're trying to gain weight and especially me, I'm like the guy you never want to, before I would say, I'm the guy you never wanted to eat with because I'd be like, uh, egg whites, can you separate the cheese particles? Uh, can you put no but? It's like, I'm like, God, do you want any of the food that they're, they're serving you? Um, and so it was a shift to me, but having Adam and then I have a Facebook like workout group where I was posting my weight. And, you know, I think the more people that you have that care about you and that are checking in on you, uh, on a regular basis, the more it was easier for me to help uh, accomplish that. Yeah. The more you get people invested in your progress, and that could be a Facebook group that you create or just, promising to put Facebook status updates uh, once a week, for instance, and making that commitment publicly is extremely helpful. A couple of points I'd like to, to underscore. The first is the fact that leaning out first will help you bulk faster. Uh, from, there are a bunch of biochemical reasons for this and, hmm. um, and, and sort of uh, biochemical, but also uh, neuroscience related reasons just in terms of regulation of leptin and ghrelin and all of these things where if you lean out even for two to four weeks, doesn't have to be that long. Uh, but certainly getting to the point where let's just say hypothetically you choose this low carb diet from four hour body, you're already at say 14% body fat, you drop two to 4% in uh, four to eight weeks, then you will have developed a uh, probably a very good degree of insulin sensitivity. And uh, insulin is an anabolic hormone. That's why bodybuilders sometimes inject insulin, uh, competitive bodybuilders, which I would never recommend because you can kill yourself. Um, what does that do for them? It allows them to store more calories ingested in muscle tissue uh, and elsewhere. Mm. But it's a very, very, very dangerous thing to do. Uh, and, uh, you, you can mimic that a little bit with say low doses of alpha lipoic acid. And there are other things that act as insulinomimetics as they would call them. Um, but if you lean out, like if I really, really want to get big for whatever reason, I haven't done it in ages because it's just such a slog. I mean, you feel like a Kobe beef cow just being fattened for slaughter. I mean, it's really, it's so, it's so laborious. Oh my god! It, I, like I didn't want to eat. You get to like at first you're like at first it's hard to do. You're like oh, I shouldn't have egg. I shouldn't have egg yolk, even though I know fat is good and all that stuff. But then you have egg yolks, and then it's like six egg yolks, and then you're like fuck eggs. 
Yeah, well, right, exactly. But you do have your kind of supersize me moment where you're like, mm, this is amazing. Yeah, baby. And then a week later, you're just like, can I stop? Please, I want to tap out, please. Um, on the eating, on the training, um, I'd be curious to know what your biggest mistakes were that you'd been making from a training perspective. Totally. I mean, the number one thing, the number one, number one thing was I wasn't eating enough in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So even like last year when I wanted to start getting like bigger muscles, uh, I just was eating so little food. I'm like, well, I'm supposed to eat light, like egg whites and, and these things. And, you know, and Adam's like, don't you want to get bigger? You should, you need to eat more food and you stop being a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and so I started eating the egg yolks and Tucker Max always gave me shit for it too. He's like, dude, you got to stop being a bitch. And I guess that's maybe a common theme. Uh, and so you, you do that and you realize like bigger dogs need more food. So if you want to be bigger, you need to put more in. Yeah. Um, so that was number one. And then I started just doing heavier sets and less reps. What would, uh, so what were you doing and what did you change it to? So I, 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 there's actually a few different programs. There's a guy named the online coach and he does a thing called the Shoal program. It's like something hypertrophy. I don't know what he Shoal, like S C H O L L S H U L S H U L program, um, that I was following. And I can, I can send that to you afterwards. So he, yeah. I followed his program and, and a lot of what his program is like, Super heavy weights, five sets, and then I would focus on core movements. So I break my thing out into four days a week. And so the biggest mistake was I was doing super heavy, uh, super high reps with lighter weights for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now I just wanted to get bigger and bulkier. And it's funny because when you saw me, you're like, holy shit, you're huge. And it's like, one, well, I ate a ton more and I, and I monitored it and then I lifted a ton heavier, uh, versus the lighter weights, which in my opinion just kind of give me more of the definition. Yeah, or just make you more injury prone, depending on how you do it. Um, certainly, I mean, there are a lot of folks uh, who do sort of high rep, high velocity, which is just asking for all sorts of issues. Um, and now, is the the Shul program, the online fitness coach, was it uh, sort of five sets of five reps type of situation with exactly with movements? Okay, so it's very similar. Then there's a there's a book that's become very popular among engineers, oddly enough, in Silicon Valley called Starting Strength. Uh, yeah. by Mark Ripito. And Ripito knows his stuff. He's, 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 he has uh, some very pragmatic approaches to this stuff. And he actually has a second book, and probably more, but one that I really enjoyed, which is, is a lot denser and probably not the right one to read first, but called uh, Pragmatic Programming, I think hmm. it is. And it's all about lo- sort of medium-term and long-term planning of training and how to cycle it and so on. But I think that's biting off more. Which one should we start with? Starting strength? Starting strength. Yeah. Starting strength, starting strength, or for, for simplicity's sake, I think a lot of the protocols that Pavel Tsatsulin, some people say his name Tsatsulin, but it's Pavel Tsatsulin who really popularized kettlebells in the United States. Some of his programs are just amazing. So there's, there's one called, uh, if you search easy strength and Pavel's Hmm. name, uh, a lot will pop up. Uh, very simple. And um, my my podcast interview with him went really deep into a bunch of his approaches for strength and endurance oh, and flexibility. But Pavel knows his stuff. Um, also, a great example of making finding the minimum effective dose that produces the largest disproportionate output, right, or outcome. Uh, yeah, five sets of five is hard to go wrong with. Um, it- yeah, I mean, two of the things that, you know, two of the things I would say would really help me during that whole process, especially for anyone trying to be in fitness. Um, you know, it's fun. As much as we want, like, less input and more output, which, you know, I, I think you've done very well because you figure out, like, what's, how do I get maximum thing for, for less? Part of it is consistency, which I'm not going to spend a ton of time on because you, you have to go. 
That's the point. Like in my calendar, if you looked at my calendar today, Tim, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, there's gym in there automatically. I don't even get to choose. It's just there at a certain time and I do it every week. Um, so consistency has been big. And then secondly, this is kind of more of a, a hack one. That, it's not really a hack, but just something that really motivates me. Uh, I follow fitness people on Instagram. Uh, yeah. A lot of people use Instagram for all their friends that they, you know, post stupid photos and I don't really follow any friends. Uh, all I, fo- I follow is rappers and fitness people. What is your Instagram? Uh, Noah Kagan. Got it. But I follow like this online coach guy. He posts great workout videos. Uh, they post things like there's, um, I'll pull up some of the different people that I recommend, but no, his is great. Um, and what's awesome about it is that they just post all their different workouts, what they eat, motivation. And so during the day when I'm on the toilet or I'm kind of feeling lazy, I go on my Instagram and I see that their bodies are ripped. And what was your recommendation? We're going to come back to looking at ripped bodies while sitting on the toilet. But, uh, <laughs> well, the two things I was going to recommend is number one, if your internet's dropping out, and I'm not sure what's going on today, but I basically went and upgraded our router to like an Asus RT86 Dynet Dasher, but basically like focus on the things that are the highest levels of the funnel. And I noticed my router is the first thing that my internet comes in that affects all of my work. And so we went in, and I, I don't know, this is like a $200, $300 router. So if you're at home and you're working and your internet matters, like go in and invest in that because that's at the top of the funnel and optimize the things where you get the biggest results downwards. Definitely. So you said two things. What would, what's the other one? Oh, no, the router was... The uh, router and then Instagram? Okay, well, well, let's let's come back to Instagram. So looking at ripped people, uh, I wanted to... Uh, I thought I was maybe a weirdo on my own, but so I actually do the exact same thing. I'm trying to get better at gymnastics and more body weight calisthenic type movements. Ooh, so, cool. So, so all, almost all of people I follow on Instagram, and I'm just t- Tim Ferriss with two R's and two S's on Instagram are uh, like gymnastic bodies or maybe gymnastics bodies uh, is, is incredible. There are a couple of very impressive parkour athletes and acrobats, including a friend of mine named Travis Brewer, who uh, competes on American Ninja Warrior and was actually one of my parkour teachers for the Tim Ferriss experiment when I like destroyed my entire body. Uh, but in, in a really fantastic uh, coach and just incredible, crazy athlete. Uh, and I'll do the same thing when I am feeling rushed or inclined to skip training for whatever reason, I will go on Instagram and check those folks out. Very cool. Yeah, man. There's like, do you follow calisthenic kings or? Uh, there are a number of them. There's like calisthenos, I think is a Greek <laughs> Greek guy. There are a bunch of them. I mean, there's so many, of course. There, there are only maybe six to ten. Um, there's a guy, I want to say his name is Trevor Blackwell. Um, I'm also following some Olympic weightlifters or guys who do uh, Olympic lifts. Uh, who are beasts just because that's another thing that I'm kind of focused on at the moment. Uh, but, uh, that, that's a, that's a much longer story. Uh, let's, let's, let's flip gears a little bit and talk about some of your business rules or guidelines. Uh, and I know you've, you've mentioned before, I think the, the 411. Uh, and I was hoping you could elaborate on that and maybe talk about some of your other guidelines or rules that you have. Yeah, man. Uh, so come back to some of the business things that have worked really well. I mean, what I've learned, I'm, I'm noticing my brother's, you know, starting his own business. Um, and, you know, Neville, as a guy I mentioned earlier, is trying to get certain things organized. And I realized that like simple rules are actually the easiest way for you to be successful. Uh, and so the 411 is specifically for AppSumo and you could, you know, apply it to yourself. But we basically were like, how many deals do we need to do a month to be successful? And then we can just follow that rule. So for AppSumo, it's 411, which is just like four deals a month, one free deal one promotion of an internal product every month. And as long as we do that, we're successful. 
And th- that's for us. But for yourselves listening, how can you create simple rules like once a week I have to do a blog post, once a week I have to make a sales call, and do the one 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 thing, which every week you do with that one activity. And I've just noticed the more that we have simple rules, it just makes it a lot easier for us to be accomplishing those things and we check in on them. And so it just makes a life a lot easier and a lot more effective and likely that they'll be accomplished. Do you use a Google spreadsheet or project management stuff like a Basecamp or an Asana or Trello or whatever? How do you actually keep on top of that stuff with your team so that it doesn't just get written down on a piece of paper and lost along the way? Exactly. So I'll call it, I call it the Susan Sue formula, uh, or the, the angry Asian mother formula, depending on who you're talking to. <laughs> so Susan Sue is this five foot nothing Asian chick who's like the, one of the most badass chicks you'll ever meet. And so she came and ran sales for us for about a year or two years ago. And what she did, and you know, they do it, we do it on the sales team is that they check in every morning and every evening. And so Susan Sue would be like, what are three things you're going to get done today? And at the end of the day, what three things did you get done? And that was, it's definitely a lot of work, but I've been doing that with like Neville is trying to grow his email list and every morning, um, he's, you know, he's going to be like, here are things I'm going to do. And at the end of the night, he checks in with me. He's like, here's what I got done today and here's my progress. And so what we do, what I recommend for most people though, is I do a once a week check in with everybody personally. And I find that to be the most helpful. If you want to be Susan Sue level, do it daily in the morning and evening. And that's insanely effective because it's like, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I got done. And you get that stuff moving forward for sure. Um, for me on AppSumo at a, at a higher level, I check in every week. Uh, generally, I just I check in in person. And we have a dashboard that we check in every day. Wow. Is the dashboard in Google Apps or what is the tech <laughs> so that you're using for that? The dashboard, you're going to be pretty surprised. It's literally something we made. It's just one number. So I'll tell you, for SumoMe, our goal uh, is to make a million-dollar revenue business this year. Mm-hmm. So that's our goal for the, the business. And so we have a target of how much money you need to make a month, which is $83,000. And then we know how, so the, 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 the the website is literally just what is our revenue against that? It's literally one number. And if you ask anybody in our company, like, actually, I'm kind of curious to ask them. Uh, I don't want to walk out of the interview, but if I ask, I'll ask in my team chat right now, uh, what is our team goal for the year? And this is something I learned from Zuckerberg in terms of how to get things organized. I don't try to organize everything. I try to focus on what's my number one goal, and that's what Zuck did, which is the number one goal for him was growth. And I, I think, I, I don't know if I mentioned the story to you before, but I went to Zuck trying to get him to make money. Ever tell you the story? No, no, I'd love to hear it. I went to him and I was like, dude, Facebook needs to be a real business one day. Uh, let's make some money. Don't you want to like stay in business and make a lot of money for, <laughs> so that we can, you know, be a company one day and really profit? And he's like, Noah, does that help us grow? I'm like, no, no, it won't help us grow, but it'll help us make money and, and make, you know, make a business. He's like, does it help us grow? No. And so what he did that I've applied at my businesses, and that's all I ever do now, is that I pick one very specific goal and I check on it on a regular basis. So as an example, let me just break down the Sumo Me one. Our goal is a million dollars a year. I have a spreadsheet that breaks out how much money that is each month. And then we have our dashboard that shows it every day about how we're progressing towards it. And on every month, on the first of the month, I just check how we did against what I projected that we need to be doing to hit our goal. And so everyone is focused around that one goal and nothing else. So I, I love this. And uh, th- this, is, this is something that when I'm, say, interviewing people and trying to obviously pick up lots of things that I can use myself. I mean, this is not just for publication. I <laughs> like talking to people like you so I can pick up new book recommendations, tools, approaches. And this is very consistent uh, when you look at the very top, top, top performers where, for instance – 
uh, we mentioned Peter Thiel earlier and, uh, who is not only a billionaire, but he's done it several times over in different ways. I mean, that's very, very hard to do. And he was, uh, famous, uh, it, it, it turns out, and this could be apocryphal. I don't know if it's, if it's totally true, but I think it is that at PayPal, he gave every person one top objective and it was a measurable objective. And if they came to him for like an office hours type of meeting or pulled him aside to ask him a question about like, why don't we do this? Or, Hey, I need some help with such and such. He would ask them, how does this contribute to your number one priority X? And like, how is it driving the numbers forward? And if it was not related, he wouldn't talk to them about it. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly right. Uh, <laughs> and I mean, that's what we do at AppSumo. I just, uh, for, for the SumoMe.com product, I asked our team, I just posted on our team chat, you know, what's our goal for the year? And it, well, the guy was joking, but he put, a, you know, 100,000 monthly recurring potatoes. Uh, his nickname is Potato, so that's what he calls money. Um, but everyone on the team knows everyone is aligned. And for AppSumo in the past, it was like last year was, uh, a billion people seeing sumome.com and we got a, we hit a billion the year before it was a million dollars with monthly1k.com which we did the year before that was half a million email subscribers and the point is not that wow Noah gets everything done it's just I don't do anything else and that comes back to the the essentialism uh, book that you were mentioning earlier which really kind of drives that point home yeah I mean and obviously you come you, you have your high level thing and you break it down so like I was telling you I'm we're struggling right now with we have two customers we have small medium business self-serve and then we have enterprise and so I have to come back and look at, all right, which helps us accomplish our goal better? And, you know, that's what I have to go and spend time solving to then say, all right, well, what will help us go faster and easier hit that number one goal? And then focus just on that. And then kind of keep going through that process. Like right now I get interview requests probably like every two days, every three days, hey, come talk my interview. And I'm like, well, this helped me get to my goal faster than doing another activity. And it won't, so I don't do it. And that's specifically like this. And I'm like, yeah, okay, Tim, you know, Tim, a few people have heard of Tim Ferriss and a lot of people will check this out. So it will be significant enough worth my time to help me really accomplish my goal. Uh, and everyone on the team is aligned with that. So, so speaking of goals, I think a lot of people have goals. They're like, you know, yeah, that Noah guy has been talking about building an email list. Yeah, I know he's helping Neville. I should really do that. And they have the should do that. And that's as far as it goes, right? Maybe they take a note. Maybe they put it into their notes and their iPhone, whatever. And that's where it lives forever and it never gets implemented. So you, you mentioned earlier that uh, you would do a demo or basically give people something they can do now to, to pump the ball down, a field, down the field a little bit and make some, some progress. And I think you mentioned email subscribers. Uh, if I'm right, correct me if I'm wrong, but what is that exercise? Yeah, man. So sumome.com is free tools to, get, to grow your website. So how to get a bigger email list, how to get more shares. And, and just for people who are listening, um, I'm, I use that on my blog and it's not because I do love you, but it's not because I love you. <laughs> oh, Timothy. Um, so here's what we're going to do. Like, I think one of the things that people love about you and what I respect about you is that you're about getting shit done. Like, you know, for our work, because how do I get things done? How do I do less work to get more, even more things done? Uh, and you know, you want to understand the elements of those things and you're very curious and very specific about that. Um, so you know, I'd love for you to listen to the notes, but anybody who does what I'm going to teach them to do, the highest result person, we're going to do a giveaway. I'm going to pay for it where I will fly you to hang out with me in our office and put you up in a room. I'm not a room in a hotel. That sounds a little creepy. Uh, and I will, you know, you can work with us on any project you have for a day. We'll get you Taco Deli uh, for the person who actually takes action. Because I know for you, that's really important, Tim. And I, want, I don't want you to just listen to this interview and not do shit. I want you to listen to this interview, take action, and make your life better. That's what would make this worth it for me. 
And uh, just so people have a context here, what is the deadline for doing this? Well, I'm going to give you things that you can do in real time. So I will say a week from when this goes public, because you should be able to do those things within that day yep. and right now as you're listening. So I would say if you're a week, that's already long enough. Okay, got it. So I'll just say for guys, and obviously avoid where prohibited, blah, blah, blah. You can't be a minotaur. <laughs> you need to be over 18 years of age. You can't be uh, whatever. Dude, um, you could take over the prices right, man. Blah, 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 blah. And uh, no, no purchase necessary, all that shit. No, um, none at all. There's actually, it's totally free. And what I want to teach people is how to start a business or how to share your message with the world instantly, if you, even if you don't have anything Cool. right now. And, the, and so the person who does the most, you're going to fly them to Austin and show them a good time and uh, perhaps free cuddles. When all Always cuddles, out. dude. Bro hugs. Bro <laughs> hugs. Well, so he, here's, let me just start with it. Like, you know, we did this monthly 1K product, uh, monthly1k.com that showed people how to start a business and you know, 5,000 plus people. And I've been able to help a lot. Um, and a lot of people just are like, well, how do I start? And I think the two things I want to say is either if you want to start a business or if you just want to get your message out there, start it now so that whenever you want to do in the future, I know Tim, I actually read when I was studying all, you know, your popular interviews to figure out what stuff your audience would want to hear. And you actually said, Hey, I wish I had an email list sooner. So that as you have books or things you want to promote or get out there, you, you can have direct communication with your audience. So I want to specifically show how anyone listening right now can get a hundred people on an email list for free so that when they have a message, they can get it out instantly. Yeah, let's rock, cool. and, let's rock and roll. All right, so whoever gets the most in their email list within the week from when this goes live, I will fly you out, pay for food, pay for hotel, and help you with whatever business stuff you want to be uh, helped with. So, all right, so here's what we're going to do. You have a phone. You're listening to this podcast. Is that how most people listen to the podcast, Tim? Uh, I think a lot of people are listening on their phones, maybe not exclusively, but on whatever device. But let's, let's just say you have a phone handy. Sure. All right, so if you're on your phone, I'm speaking right into the microphone. Come back to your phone. Or if you're on your computer, come back to the computer and hang out. The all right, so I want you to grab your phone, and here's what we're gonna do. The I want you to get 100 subscribers, and I'll just say it again because I think it's important. If you want 100 subscribers, it's so that if you ever want to start a business, or if you ever want to promote something, or share your message, even start it now, so you can do it whenever you're ready, instead of waiting till later and not doing anything, which will pop and will piss me off. So if you want to get 100 subscribers, here's what I want you to do: choose any topic you're interested in. Like Tim, let's actually we'll do it. I'll do it live right now as well. What's a, what's a topic that you're interested in, Tim? Like something recently that you've been thinking about or reading or curious about? Interested in the ketogenic diet, which is like the Atkins oh, diet. Oh, the keto thing? Yeah, I'm interested in that. I'm, I'm really digging deep in that right now. Okay, so would you want to start a new newsletter? Uh, <laughs> I am probably I probably have my hands full. Uh, I think you're a little busy. All right, yeah. I will do the keto topic newsletter. I will get 100 people right now on it so that I can share that message with other people. And then maybe I can t- say that Tim likes the keto diet. So choose a topic that you're curious about, interested in, you want to talk about to certain people. Here's what I want you to do. Tim, do you have your phone on you? Uh, I have my phone off uh, because I didn't want it to interfere with what we are doing here. Pay attention to me. So that's good. All right. Well, for whoever's listening, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to take a photo of myself. Hi. So take a photo of yourself. Now I want you to go to your social networks. And I'll post, and you know, I'll post all this stuff on uh, in the blog post also, which I'll give people info on, but continue now. And here's what people are going to say. Well, Noah and Tim have followers or fuck, who cares about followers? Even if you have 100 people, don't worry about that. doesn't matter if you have 10, 100, or 5. Take a photo of yourself. Now, I want you to post it on your social sites, Facebook and, Google, uh, Facebook and Twitter. So, right, and don't even, you don't even have to sign up for a service. No, I don't have an email list. Guess what's an email list provider? Gmail. That's a great way to start your newsletter so that, you know, I, just to give you context, like AppSumo is a high seven figure business. 
And 90% plus just comes from an email list. So just to give you context about, oh, you actually can just, the email list can create large businesses. So post in your social, I'm starting a newsletter, and then attach your photo. <laughs> You're going to see my photo on Noah Kagan. And then say, email me, and then put your email. So I'm going to do mine about keto, because I'm curious about keto. Email me, Noah, or I'll put keto at okdork.com, and this will go to my inbox. And now I will get a list of people who will be curious about keto. So it didn't cost me any money. It took me about two seconds. So if you're on your phone, take a photo of yourself. Go to your Twitter. Then I'm going to go to my Facebook and just post it socially. I'm starting a newsletter about keto. Email keto at okdork.com. And so I just tweeted that. And now people are going to start emailing me about keto. (laughs) And so that's one tactic. So we're going to do two more. uh, And then you will actually probably have 100, if not more, people interested in what you want to talk about. So if you want to sell them something... Or if you just want to put out information, one thing I've noticed, Tim, is that one tactic that I do is in my okdork.com newsletter, I have an auto-reply when people join that say, what's one thing I can help you with? And then they tell me their questions, and that's actually businesses. Yeah. People say, hey, no, I want help with this. And basically, you just look for the pattern of what the constant questions people keep asking you, and you say, hey, email list, I'm going to create a book about this. It's 10 bucks. You pay me via PayPal, and I go make it. And this is what I've taught 5,000 people in and they do it and they get businesses. The problem, Tim, is people are like, it can't be that easy because they're looking for some magic bullet or some golden trick or something more complicated, but it's not. It starts with one customer and helping one person. And this is the way you can actually start it while you're listening to the podcast instead of waiting to eventually start your business. Definitely. No, I, I and I've seen, uh, you know, there are people out there like Neil Patel has done some very similar stuff, right? I mean, he's, he's been like, pay me this. And then I will add you to this email list. It's so simple and makes a ton of money. I mean, there are, it doesn't have to be complicated. In fact, if it is really complicated, it's probably not the right answer. So, so you said there were a couple of other things that people should Yes. Do. So you posted it. I posted mine on Twitter and then post it on your Facebook and have people email you to subscribe. That's number one. And they just email you. You don't need, you don't need any software. You don't need to sign up for MailChimp, which is free, but that's complicated. Just keep it really simple. Secondly, go to your email signature. So, Tim, for you, on your settings, on your phone, so if you have an iPhone, go to, I don't even know what Android, who uses Android, um, but on iPhone, go to settings, mail, and scroll to the bottom to your signature. On your signature, say, reply to me if you want the latest tips on keto. And so if you already have a mailing list, make sure you update your signature on all your accounts on a regular basis. So unlike my personal one, it says, come eat tacos with me. And people click it all the time, and then it's like, oh, you should join my newsletter. Basically, what I try to recommend people as you're starting businesses is keep it as simple as possible. Don't spend as much money as possible. And importantly, leverage the assets you already have available. What most people, Tim, don't realize is that they have at least 50 to 200 people minimum on LinkedIn that could be potential customers. But they think, oh, I got to do like a Facebook ad, which is going to cost you money. And I want to discourage that. And so I'm trying to say, how do you already have assets? Do you already have a church group? Do you already have a Facebook group? Do you already have uh, your colleagues that you can use as your customers to join your newsletter and eventually make a business out of? Because you could say, hey, I'm creating something. You should buy it. And guess what? Now you have access to these people via your newsletter. Mm-hmm. Is, this, is this connecting? Yeah. I can't tell because I'm talking to myself a little bit. No, no, no. This, this all makes sense. And I want to give a, just a quick tech suggestion for people who might be like, oh, my God, but I don't have, you know, let's just say your name is... Uh, whatever, Bob Jones. So, uh, I don't have a bobjones.com domain. I don't, I can't, I don't know how to create a keto at bobjones.com email address. 
uh, gotcha. a, a workaround for that, which a lot of people don't. It's so simple, and I couldn't believe how useful this is when you figure it out. If if your email address is let's just say Bob Jones at gmail.com, if you create Bob Jones plus anything you write at gmail.com, your email will still get delivered. So you could you could put hey I'm I'm uh, on Twitter you could say hey I'm starting a keto newsletter, uh, email me at uh, Bob Jones plus symbol keto at gmail.com if you want to join. People email that and it allow, it then allows you to search by that email and sort. Uh, and you don't have to set up anything new. You're just using a plus sign and some kind of identifier before the ad symbol. Um, super, super useful and expedient, expedient. What you can also do for this is if you're signing up for a new service or anything, a newsletter, you can put plus and then some identifier. So it's like, if I sign up for, you know, whatever, super, super, uh, you know, underoosheroes.com. And, uh, I, I'm like, you know, I wonder if these guys are going to spam me and I want to know if they do or if they sell my information or anything like that. I want to be able to um, automatically send it to trash without giving them my real email address, right? So bobjones at gmail.com, that's valuable information. I don't want to be getting shit from all sorts of people potentially if they leak my information. So I'll, I'll, I'll put bobjones plus, you know, underoos at gmail.com. And that way, I know if my information has been leaked and I can, I can just junk that email address and have it all go to spam, for instance. So that's exactly, yeah, too. that plus approach is super helpful. I don't think enough people know that one. The other thing I would add to that is do the plus filter, do that. And then in your settings, create, uh, filters. Do you create, so I, yeah. what I would do for all these people in Gmail is I don't know these other services and most people use Gmail, but in labs of Gmail in your settings lab, turn on can responses and enable it. Then what you do is create a filter. So whenever, and you can do this in the search box really easily. So I said keto at okdork.com, or I could do my email address, which is Noah Kagan plus keto at gmail.com, which is what Tim was suggesting to you. And so what you do is you search two at, you know, keto at okdork.com. And I've already got Tim, I already got uh, two people emailing me for the newsletter. That's fantastic. And so what you do here is you click the little down arrow and you click filter messages like these. And you create a filter like this, or it, you, now it says, you know, create a filter with this search. And what I would do here is I have a can response that, look, I'm not even having to create any software. So send a can response, and a can response would be one I create that's like, hey, what are you interested in learning about keto? And they would just tell me what I should be creating for them and possibly even selling them in the future. Definitely. And I, and I want to point out just a couple things. Well, actually, before I do that, are there any other steps or recommendations? And then I have just a couple of observations that I think might be helpful for people who sure. I might still um, find this intimidating. Yeah. Well, what I want you to do is if you have a phone, you can do this right now. If you're listening to this podcast, you don't have to go anywhere else. You don't have to pay for anything. And you could start your business instantly, which I've never seen anyone do before. But you can do it with the technology we have available for free. So number one, post it on your social, post it on Facebook and Twitter. I put a photo because it's a little more apparent. Maybe you want to put a little more text and just give them the email address to email you to join. On your signature, I wrote this, Tim, which I think you'll appreciate. It says, for all my signature on my phone, it says, reply to me with a hell yes if you want the latest keto news. <laughs> I like it. I like and it. And I've actually used that in some of our sales collateral, and it works really well because people are like, oh, hell yes, sure. And so now I'm going to – I do it for sales, but you can put in your signature, and now that's done. So in every 50 emails I send every day on average, I now have probably about two to five of them being like, oh, yeah, cool, hell yes. I'm like, what are you hell yesing about? 
Um, but set up your filter and they get the reply. And then now you have the questions to be answering. The last thing I would say um, that is really cool is go to your – Tim, do you have favorites on your phone? Yeah. Yeah, I have favorites. I'm actually really curious. That's fascinating. Who's on your favorites, man? Uh, my phone is off, so I'm not sure. <laughs> no, you know who's on your – don't act like that. No, who's no. on your favorites? No, no, I'm not sure. Honestly, I'd have to look at it. I know I'm not. I don't talk to you that often. But uh, like on my favorites is just like my brother, my girlfriend, a few other people. I like my coworkers. Um, go to your favorites because it's the easiest one not to have to think about. And just click on their names and then text them, hey, man, can I send you information about keto? It's cool diet information. What I want to go back to that point that was critical and I thought most people probably ignore is that just go to the people that already like you. If they won't even buy from you or are interested in from you, it's only going to get harder. <laughs> it will not be easier. And what I want to do is you, you, know, you took your assets, you used it, you had set up some passive things like your signature and t- text the people that are your favorites. And if they don't know someone, then you ask for a referral. Hey, man, do you know any person that's like a fatty or anyone who's like crazy into health that might be interested in keto news? And this is just basic. Obviously, we can get more fancy and complicated, but this is the way that it starts. This is how you get that first customer. This is how you start the Facebook or Google or Amazon or Microsoft. No, I didn't. I started to interject. I just wanted to say to people a few things. Number one is keep in mind you can always abandon the project. I think a lot of people are like, well, but I don't know how to run a newsletter. I don't really want to commit to another part-time job. Oh my God, like what happens if blah? What happens if this? What happens if that? It's like, look, you can always just send an email to these people and be like, hey, had a, a huge fire pop up. The, the keto newsletter is going to have to wait. Sorry, guys, might have more news later. And then you're done. You've, you, you don't ha- it's not a major life commitment that yeah, man. You're, not getting, I mean, that- you're not getting married to the newsletter uh, in like an Irish Catholic family. I mean, it's like you, you, you have options here. And it happened to me, Tim, it yeah. happened to me, uh, six months ago, I started an events business to show people how to start an events business where I sold tickets and then I made events. And then I was like, I kind of don't want to keep doing events cause I'm trying to run AppSumo and sumo me. And so I just refunded the difference to people and it, you know, it, it's very straightforward. It's yeah. always, always with integrity and just letting people know the expectations. And just, just to actually, uh, add another example. So I've done this many, many times and sometimes things don't work out or you don't like it and you quit. So I tried to make a membership site, a very inexpensive membership site as an experiment ages ago for $10 a month or something like that. And it turned out that I just, at least at the time, didn't like managing it and the technology wasn't great. So the experience wasn't perfect. And I was like, you know, just don't want to do this anymore. It's too much psychic drain. It's not worth the trouble. So I refunded everybody. And there were, there were several, several hundred people probably refunded everybody, everything that they had spent and just shut the thing down. And uh, you all, you almost always have that option. But there are other things like the podcast. And I was like, you know what? I'm not sure if I'm going to like this internally. I'm going to commit to doing six episodes as an experiment. And then I'll reassess it and I might ditch it. And that'll just be like my mini series of podcasts. And it worked out. So I kept on doing it. Um, the um, so, so bringing it back to the competition then, for those people who are listening, they're like, yes, I, hell yes, I want to compete. Uh, guys, you can find the blog post for this episode at fourhourworkweek.com forward slash podcast, all spelled out. And in the comments, you have to leave your results. And you have to leave your results uh, just to make it easier for everyone on my side to manage. You're going to have to put hashtag Noah at the top of your comment. And if you can't follow that set of instructions, we're not going to look at your comment. So do that. Hashtag Noah at the top of the comment. And uh, what should they include in their comment, Noah? 
Yes. So two things. There's going to be, there's definitely people on your audience. Like your audience is awesome. Like I've met a lot of these people that, and they're all over the world. And they're like, yeah, I love Tim. And now my life has changed from it. So I know that there's already people who are kicking ass and running successful businesses. You're like, well, Noah, I already have a successful business. I'm in Australia. Uh, <laughs> that was a great Australian accent. Is that pretty good? That was like an Australian, like kangaroo British accent. Um, so I'm looking more for the people who are taking action. So if you already have a mailing list, take action on really significantly growing that on the seven days. I'm looking for people who have the biggest results either from zero to a hundred or from a thousand to a hundred thousand. And so what I really want to see is what have you done to really grow your mailing list in the next seven days from when you listen to this. And for the people, just to remind you, if you have, if you don't have a mailing list or if you don't have a business or if you have a business, this is the best way to communicate with your customers whenever you want to sell them something. Or even if you just want to share your message with the world, you have direct access to something that how often do you check your email? I know how often I check mine. Uh, it's, it's a lot, especially because I'm on the toilet. You know, like, oh, email, it's toilet time. Uh, that and Instagram. And the second thing that I wanted to mention, Tim, so number one, hashtag Noah, your comment, and show me what you've done in this week. And we'll full expenses flight anywhere in the world, hotel, and you get to work with us for a day. The second thing is if you already have an email list, I was talking with Tim about it, we've put together on our side like a free no upsell, cross-sell, downsell, free course uh, for you guys. So go check it out if you have an email list already that it's email1k.com slash Tim. And that's fully free. There's nothing to sell there. I'm sorry. If you want to give me money, you're welcome to, but not with this. Uh, and that will be, it's 10 experts that'll show you how to grow your mailing list on more advanced tactics if you already have one. Very cool. And I will put this in the blog post as well, guys, but uh, which will have show notes and links and all sorts of other things that we talked about in this episode. But uh, just to recap, so at in the comment, if you're going to do this, hashtag Noah, your results and what you did, quantify it whenever possible. And then I want you to end with the most important lesson that you learned in doing this exercise. Um, so that the comments themselves become, become a very useful resource for everybody. Um, Dude, good stuff, man. I'm, I just want to see people take action and they do it and they get results because you can do it from your phone. There's no excuse. Yeah, no, there's no excuse. Uh, so let's, let's do this. No, I, I am, uh, I actually, you're, you're making me think of all the things I want to do now. Uh, so, and, <laughs> well, I, and I know you're running a company, but I, yeah, but, but, we have to, we're going to go do a flotation. I'm taking my girlfriend for a surprise flotation. You ever done a flotation tank? I have done flotation tank. Actually, I was introduced or finally pushed to try it by Joe Rogan. Uh, and you're talking about like a deprivation tank, basically. Exactly. Yep. Have you done it before? I have done it before. Um, I actually amazing. did it on a first date, which I don't recommend, but I've done it many times. First date is a very, that's an intensive kind of the, creepy well, silence of the lamps first date. Dude, getting in a box naked in someone's house, it's not the idea. Oh, it's that, you have a flotation tank at your house? No, no. I went it, in Austin a few years ago. There was not a, there wasn't, there wasn't public one. So they had a private one in some lady's house. <laughs> that's so creepy. So I was like, <laughs> I swear this is legit. I'm not just trying to get you naked. I just need you to get in this box naked and I'm going to close the door on you. Uh, <laughs> and I'll tell you on that experience, I was actually really scared because that was my first time. So I had a panic attack. Wow. That's, um, yeah, that's no good. Yeah. But subsequently I've gone to like larger ones that are like super clean and legit. And, um, I do it like once a month. My, I, I generally bounce between that and Chinese massages like the reflexology because they're only 35 bucks and it's like that secret, it's a secret white people don't know. So I don't want all you guys going to do this now, but reflexology massages are 35 bucks or Chinese massage. There's no happy endings and it's the most affordable, effective massage I've ever found. Huh. Yeah. I need to, I need to get on my reflexology action. I use something called a rad roller RAD. It's like two lacrosse balls melted together to roll out my feet each day. Uh, oh, huh. so, so these kind of like just nugget sized 
recommendations, I think, are really fun. So let me, if, if you wouldn't mind, just in uh, sort of wrap up, I'll ask you a couple of, of rapid fire questions. You don't have to answer super, super uh, concisely, but just to the extent possible, we'll, we'll try to do short questions and short answers and we'll do a couple <laughs> of them. No, it's uh, like, hey, could you speak shortly? Not long, just do it. I'm like, yes, I'll, I'll, less words. <laughs> I use my ESL skills. <laughs> uh, when you think of the word successful, who is the first person who comes to mind and why? Evan Williams. So for those people, he is the, I guess, co-founder of Twitter, blogger, medium, uh, all, all around baller. Why? Why is that? So, you know, I think it's easy to do a business once and be successful. I think when you can do it multiple times, you're a badass. Um, and I, success is very relative to how you define it, about if it's money or if it's whatever it is you want it to be. Um, I think from like a business creation and, and making society better, Evan is very interested in communication and he didn't, you know, it's pretty big that you did blogger. I think most people do blogger and tap out. You're like, you know, I'm, I'm pretty, it's like Elon Musk. He did one thing, you know, he's already, he sold a company and then he did PayPal or, and then he did another one. And it's like him and Evan Williams is just like, holy moly, you don't just do it once. You do it many times. Um, cause it's easy to hit a home run once, but to do, do it consistently, just, I, I think the consistency of it and dedication is what's really impressive to me about that. No, I agree. And what's also impressive and really inspiring about that is generally speaking, the guys who have that type of consistency or gals and do it repeatedly are doing it for reasons other than the money, uh, because they already have more money than God in, in some of these cases. And it's, it's really about the mission. And I think that's partially why some of them like Ev, you know, I've spent time with Ev and he's, uh, he comes across as a happy guy. You know what I mean? It's, uh, in, and that's not what, <laughs> But does it surprise you? It's incredibly surprising because the 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 type A personalities that I usually run into who have made hundreds of millions or billions of dollars are so driven that they they have trouble appreciating anything that they have, and I don't feel like that's the case with Ev. Um, so the, all the more impressive to me that he's able to yeah, maintain man. that uh, type of perspective. Uh, okay, do you have any favorite movies or documentaries? Uh, yes. So my favorite movie immediately is Commando. It's a horrible Arnold Schwarzenegger movie so from the amazing. 80s. Oh my God. It's, it's great. I just, I don't know. As a kid, I watched it over and over on beta tapes, which you youngins probably don't know about. Um, I love, con uh, two other ones I think are just really well done is Count of Monte Cristo. Oh yeah. I haven't, um, I haven't seen that. Oh, it's just such good revenge. If you just want to get revenge, like you have an ex-girlfriend or something, you watch this guy and you're like, oh, I need to be like him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a recent documentary called The Jinx. Oh, I haven't seen that. Oh, dude, you're going to blow your mind. What is and, Which and I don't think everyone wants you to do, or no one wants you to do, but this guy blows <laughs> people's minds with his gun, um, and he gets away with it. Huh. It's a documentary. It's, it's a documentary about Robert Frost, which you probably have heard his name or seen his name somewhere, huh. but they just, like, they get you, and the ending is just insane. Don't... All right. If you haven't watched The Jinx, go watch The Jinx and thank me later. <laughs> awesome. I'll throw out another one for people who like documentaries. King of Ooh, Kong. King of Kong. Mm. Uh, or man on wire. You can look at those two and then, and then choose one to suit your tastes. Uh, what, uh, advice would you give to, how old are you now? Noah? 33, dude. I'm like dead Ooh. in the internet zone. I'm like dead, internet years. I'm old. I'm dinosaur. Yeah, you are a dinosaur. Uh, what advice would you give to your 25 year old self? Uh, uh, and I say 25, I've been asking, I've been telling people 20, but we're fucking, everybody's a fucking idiot at 20. Yeah. In, uh, my yeah I was going to say condoms. Yeah. I was going to say morning after pill condoms. No, um, 
You know, I'd say the, the number one thing that – and here's the thing. I think a lot of these things people can hear and then they just discard. So let me just tell you how to do it. So get a mentor. But you're like, I don't know how to get a mentor. Here's what you should do. Email the person that you respect the most that's done the thing you want to do that you know right now. Like get have your phone and text them or email them and be like, hey, I think you're the really best person I know in this space. Like can I meet with you on a regular basis? And if they're like a person who's too busy for you, ask them who they'd recommend. Like, who do you learn from locally or internetly or wherever that I could just talk to on a regular basis? And I really wish I would have been more active in securing that. And you don't have to go try to get Peter Thiel or Tim Ferriss or Noah King because we don't want to help you. Like, we want to help. Like, we don't. We're busy doing well, things. Well, we want to like, help at scale. It's, it's hard. You know what I, exactly. Okay, thank you. See, that's why we have Tim. That's where the, I'll use the ugly word, the ugly S word in that capacity. But, and yeah. so it's not that I don't want to help people. It's just like, I don't have the capacity to help as many people as I'd like. And so when I was 25, I think I would have spent more time finding someone that's done the things I want and helping them and having active uh, meetings with them to be like, Hey, you've already done where I want to go. Why don't I just learn it from you instead of wasting all the time that I had to do? Um, number two at 25, I'd work for free. So I would go help that person. So email your friend, be like, yo, can I meet with you? I'll help you with whatever you want. And if they don't, if they're not busy, ask who they'd recommend. Uh, and then third, I'd really just kind of look at your phone or your internet browsing or in your home and look at the products or services that I was using at today, right now, and go work for those companies. Hmm. So yep. when I was 25, and I did do this, and I'm really happy to do this, but I was like, I just like Facebook. I'm going to go try to work there. I just love personal finance. I did a personal finance workshop this morning with my team because I just love talking about money. Um, and so I went and worked at Mint. So go and try to surround yourself or put yourself in places uh, doing the work that you really want to be doing. Yeah. And the easiest way to do that is just look at what you're already enjoying and then go like, think about if you could do that all day. Uh, Absolutely. And some other related, uh, bits. I just actually heard this yesterday from someone, um, older gent actually, who's, uh, he's not above asking for mentorship. And, um, I usually discourage people from using the word mentor or mentorship because it's just, it screams unpaid full-time job. So I, if, <laughs> if you're going to pitch people, don't use that wording. But, uh, I think the work for free piece is huge. And what he, he said, he got one of the biggest names in Silicon Valley to mentor him effectively, although he didn't call it that because he said it, it, pretty much the same thing. He emailed this guy out of the blue and said, I really respect what you've done with A, B, and C. I've read everything about it. Um, here are things I've done. If you have something that might be sort of credible, if not, that's fine. And then he said, I, I know you're working on a book. Uh, I would love to ask you some very specific questions for every hour that you spend with me. I will spend four hours proofreading your book or helping you with the book pro bono. And that's how he got the first meeting. And then the guy agreed to meet with him on an ongoing basis for, uh, more than a year and never took him up on the proofreading offer even though that was sort of the sugar that that made the pill go down. Um, so that that's a really important point. And uh, Charlie Hone has some good writing on this. H-O-E-H-N on, on working for free. It's really... 100%. Uh, also, a book... Oh, uh, oh, no, go for it. No, no, no. His book, Recession Proof, Proof Graduate, is just epic for younger people starting out. Yeah, or anyone. Uh, or anyone who's starting over or trying to reinvent themselves. Ooh. Really, The other thing, Tim, I think you said, which is super true, and I just want to highlight it for everyone listening, is don't email people and be like, hey, I'll help you with anything. Because I'm like, well, now I have to think about what to do, and you're going to be a shitty free labor person. Yeah. Like, that's the worst. Because you're gonna, like, Tim, how many emails do you, like, roughly how many emails do you get a day? Like, hey, I want to work with you. Can I hang out with you? Can I have coffee with you from people you don't know? Uh, 
at least a hundred a day. Uh, Holy to, shit! To, to my team or me, if they manage to somehow you know spam a hundred emails and get one right. <laughs> exactly, and so you know it's interesting to think about like how do you how does the person stand out to actually get a hold of him? And so here's how you do it. You won. Someone told me this yesterday. And I loved it. It was called the swipe, the one thumb rule, which is your email should be able to be one thumbed on the phone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which I thought was yeah. a pretty good way. I thought that was a good way of looking at the one thumb rule. The second thing is don't tell Tim. You can study Tim all day. All of your stuff is public. Most of it that you're working on or thinking about go study Tim and do the work. Then send it to Tim. There's a guy, Brian at videofruit.com. And Brian does this for a lot of people. He emails you and he's like, hey, I made this video for you. Hey, I did this marketing role for you. Hey, I did this document for you. Here, I just sent it to you. I'm not expecting shit. And then you're like, well, damn, this is really good. What else can you do? Yeah. yeah. Instead of emailing Tim like, hey, Tim, we should just like, can I help you? I'll be a free intern just so I can learn to pick your brain. Yeah. And I don't, uh, I don't reply to any of those. And I'll, number one, because I don't have the capacity. And I think for a lot of tasks like that, that are, and don't make no mistake, that's a task that I have to, I have to do that instead of something else. Um, a piece of advice that I got from someone, uh, I'm blanking on who said this to me, but they said, and it was so, I was like, wow, okay, that is great. And it, it's, it, it's, it sort of, uh, comes back to your point about doing your homework. And they said, if someone hasn't done their homework to determine if something is a fit, I don't have the time to explain to them why it isn't a fit. And I was Ooh. like, isn't that good? Damn. And I was, yeah, and, I I, like that. and I was like, oh man, that is a, that is a gem. And, uh, so the, when I have ended up, um, doing, uh, for instance, ending up working with Charlie or whatever is number one, they, they did something of value that was highly specific and indicated they'd done a lot of homework, uh, that was very helpful and they didn't expect anything in return, but they did such good work that I was like, like you said, I was like, huh, wow, what else can this guy do? Uh, or, you know, maybe, maybe someone's like, Hey, here's a, you know, a, 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 this is not an example, please. I don't need a thousand of these sent to me guys, but like, here's a summary of podcast X. And I thought this would be useful for you to use as a PDF. Uh, has my logo all over it. Yeah. Well, or, <laughs> but if they're like, Hey, if you want me to do a few more of these, like I have some dead time between now and blah, um, let me know. But if, if I don't hear back from you, no problem. Right. And I think another, another mistake a lot of people make is they, and I, and I've been guilty of this in the past, you know, and I look back at some of my behavior when I was just getting started and I like cringe because it was in retrospect, I'm like, no fucking wonder I didn't get any responses. Um, if, if you send emails like any of what we've described today and you don't get a response, don't take it personally. And that's easy advice to say, but I would take it one step further. And the way you don't take it personally is assume that the people who don't respond have excellent reasons for not responding, right? And uh, like maybe someone in their family is sick. Maybe they're trying to take care of their kid who's having trouble at school. Maybe fill in the blank. Just assume they have a good reason for not responding. And, um, there's another expression, uh, God, I wish I could remember who, who told me this, but you know, don't attribute to malice that when that, that which can be explained by incompetence, but I would modify that. And I would say, <laughs> don't, don't attribute to malice. What can be explained by incompetence, incompetence or just busyness, right? So just because someone doesn't get back to you right away, or just because someone sends you a short email and misses something. Uh, don't immediately assume that it's because they're trying to fuck with you uh, or because they don't respect you. I see so many people get wound up and they're like, oh my God, so disrespectful. Oh my God, so blah. And they shoot themselves in the foot. And I've been guilty of that myself. I, I think that I'm pretty quick to anger and very impatient. So it's taken a lot of effort to try to 
sand down the rough edges. But um, another last, just one last tip uh, is uh, for finding mentors, a great way to do that is to volunteer for local business organizations that host events. That's what I did when I moved to Silicon Valley. So you can volunteer at events where they have local icons or business leaders coming to speak and you get to interact with those people. And if, if you're volunteering somewhere, by the way, it does not give you license to do a shitty job. And most people think that's true. So you can stand out just by doing twice what you're asked to do as a volunteer. And that's how you get to know people like I did. I got to know Jack Canfield who co-created Chicken Soup for the Soul. And then many years later, introduced me to the guy who became my agent who sold the four hour work week. Uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. All right. So, so Noah, next question. Uh, what is the purchase that you've made in the last, say, six months for a hundred dollars or less that has had the greatest impact on your life? Purchase in the last six months. That I would say one, I purchased it around that time, but it's my Nutribullet. I don't know what that is. It's the Magic Bullet's bigger brother. The Magic Bullet, which is not a sexual device, it's a blender. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it, it could be in some weird ways. Um, but the Nutribullet is basically like, I like smoothies, I like my protein shakes, I like blending up things. Um, but it's always a pain in the ass to clean. Right. And this you could just blend, drink out, and wash out, and there's no cleaning. And every time I get, this is like the gift I give to most people. I'm like, dude, if you don't have a Nutribullet in your kitchen, like you're missing out. Uh, and it's just really effective for like blending anything and getting it in. Like I have a Vitamix, which is like a $500 blender, uh, and I just don't even use it anymore. It's a lot of cleanup for that thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's like I have to get a cleaning lady to assist me to clean that thing. Uh, and the Nutribullet you can do, you know, in 20 seconds or less. And it's just been really effective. And it's one of these things that like, if you don't have it, I just buy it for people because that's what I know they need. Very cool. Well, action-packed. I uh, love how many things we were able to cover, and um, yeah. I would love to hear uh, what people think and also the competition people can check out. So go to fourhourworkweek.com forward slash podcast to check that out. Uh, one more thing I'm going to mention for folks is that uh, you and I both were on an episode of the Tim Ferriss Experiment and coached someone through launching their business and went through a lot of, of information that we weren't able to couple, cover in this episode, like creating call scripts and tons of challenges like the coffee challenge and so on. So that I think people would enjoy checking out, but where can people learn more about, you Noah, find you online, et cetera. Yep. Uh, number one thing for my personal stuff is going to be at okdork.com. Okdork.com and business related, if you know, for the tools and a lot of the main things I was talking about, it's going to be at sumome.com. That's a lot of the, the business that we've been building and recommending for most people. Awesome. Uh, anything, any parting advice, or thoughts that you'd like to give to folks? I would. I would. Two other things, because I looked at, I, and I, this is kind of a thing, like, I think there's, a, there's a, a ratio of how much you invest in something to how much you get out. So if you're sending cheap emails to people like Tim or a customer or anybody you want, and you're sending a quick email, you're probably not going to get a response because you're not investing that much. So I invested in researching shows and comments to see what is going to make this the most popular episode ever. And that's what I want it to be with the number of comments. So make sure you go comment, uh, even if you don't do the challenge. Well, two other things that a lot of people were asking about, um, you know, we did morning ritual, but you guys asked, what do I listen to while working out? And I want to share some of my favorite rap artists. Yeah. Yeah. Let's <laughs> for do it. Your audience. So if they want to get, if they want to get pumped up. Um, the, I listen to a lot of like hardcore rap and I get mixtapes from datpiff.com. How do you, um, how do you spell that? D-A-T-P-I-F-F.com. Hmm. Uh, so I can't, I'll send, I'll send, I'll send you my Spotify playlist too for my workouts. Um, but the guys I listen to a lot lately are like Travis Scott 
and Wale's new album. Those two have been going really strong. So if you're going to work out, go check out uh, Travis Scott and Wale. How do you spell Wale? Uh, W-A-L-E. Uh-huh. Wale. Do you have any music you listen to that you're embarrassed to admit you listen to? Uh, mostly emo, which is just going to be like Promise Ring. It's like kind of crying and crying stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm a little bitch. I'm a little bitch. Um, the, so that's number one. I listen to Promise Ring. Um, a lot of their stuff is good. The other thing, Tim, you guys talked about alcohol, and yep. people seem to like alcohol recommendations. So uh, if you're a tequila fan, Casa Amigos is affordable and delicious. Hmm. And it's uh, George Clooney's tequila, and it's phenomenal. I drink the Reposado. Uh, if you're a little ex- more expensive, which is the best for the price, it's called Clase Azul. And that's $100 a bottle or 89 and it's a porcelain white bottle. And it's insane if you like tequila. Is that what you order when you walk into a bar? Do you dis- it's, uh, it's normally $20 a shot, so it depends on my mood. <laughs> I'm like, $20 a shot? I have the bottle at home. I could wait. I'll just get a soda water. Uh, <laughs> and, and Or if, uh, if you're a whiskey fan, Balcones Single Malt. Anything by Balcones. It's the uh, number one whiskey in the world. Uh, it's a uh, Texas whiskey. Balconies, B-A-L-C-O-N-E-S? Yes, sir. Awesome. All right, Noah, well, we will have some tequila and tacos in Austin soon. Oh, my God, that sounds awesome. Uh, Thank you so much for the time, man. Uh, And everybody, uh, be sure to check out all the notes and goodies and links and recommendations, Spotify playlists, et cetera, at fourhourworkweek.com forward slash podcast.